here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Krejci. No Jalanza again this week. The shoot job has once again uh, reared its ugly head. But that's all right. I found a more than suitable Joe replacement, Joe Gagne. Joe, how's it going? It's good. Joe Quotient met for the uh, for the week. Yes. So if I say Joe, I'm not, you know, and if I think you're Jalanza for a second, which I it's very easy to confuse <laughs> one Joe Gagne and one Jalanza. So it, it, it do do forgive me if I. Uh, if I do make that mistake at some point and call you Joe when, you know, in fact, you are Joe. So. Yes, Twitter, uh, Tinder Adventures switch for <laughs> trying to stay up past 830. So. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. Do you have Tinder on your phone? No. Uh, no. I, I, okay, I not even not. just kind of dabble. Yeah, you've been married for how long? Uh, almost a decade. I don't think my wife okay. would approve too much of that. We've had that. Um, so. You've had that discussion, you said? No, I'm kidding, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna go on there and see what uh, what college. What's the nearest college to you too? Because you have to be near a college as well for it to be oh, uh, God. Like Joe enhancement. What's is it? Just some like small, dumb liberal arts college that's near you? That uh, my alma mater. Yes. <laughs> well, I went to a, hey, I went to a dumb, small liberal arts college too. So that's why you and I are buddies. But so yeah, and there was not. Uh, I, I don't think the the Twitter hunt would do very well at my school, and, and I imagine your school probably not as well. So perhaps not. <laughs> All right, but uh, we got of course. Joe Gagne coming here to fill in the Joe Gagne, uh, the Joe uh, quotient, I should say. Uh, as far as topics today, we're going to talk, um, of course, the big weekend in WWE. We had Backlash, uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago, uh, a little bit of Best of the Super Juniors check-in, the stories that are kind of coming out from the tournament so far, you know, people that are doing well, you know, things that we're starting to see, maybe a little bit of clarity into in terms of who can win, who can come out of the blocks, and some maybe disappointing stories uh, as well from the tournament. But, Joe, anytime I bring you on, one thing that you are significantly better among many things that you're significantly better than Joe Lanza at it's talking video games. Uh, even though Joe and I met on like a video game forum, you know, he's got no time for that anymore. He's, you know, he's, he's not a nerd, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you, sir, you and I, we're, we are one and the same in terms of pro wrestling video games and particularly video games for people that don't know Joe before uh, we kind of get to this. What is, uh, where can they, hey, where can they follow you on, on, different social media and social networks and Twitter and all that good stuff. And then also uh, your YouTube channel for people that might not know uh, what you do. Uh, yes, you can follow me at Joe Gagne, G-A-G-N-E, just like the uh, AWA promoter. And you can follow, if you're into wrestling video games, please follow my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Mike and Tom present. 
Joe Gagne's Fun Time Arcade, uh, 60-something episodes about every kind of video game, wrestling video game you can imagine. And uh, yes, uh, we are very excited for a topic of, uh, of a returning franchise. Yes, yes. So Fire Pro Wrestling World, this announcement came out, was it about a year ago that they tweeted? I, I remember just, it, well, did it start from the, was it like a change.org campaign or something like that that a bunch of people, was that related at all or did these guys have this idea before? I do not know. It just seems, I can't remember the exact genesis. We heard rumblings and I think people weren't quite sure what to expect because I believe there was an Xbox Live game with the name Fire Pro that was an abomination. That was terrible. Yeah. Did you, did you ever play I, that I never did, no. Don't. It's so bad. No, it it yeah. is. And I knew it was bad. And like, I knew it wasn't going to be the same because it was called Fire Pro, but it, it didn't look at anything like Fire Pro. It wasn't even the same gameplay as, as, as classic Fire Pro. But I tried it out anyway. And it was just like, this is just the worst. It was like one of the worst games I've ever played. One of the worst wrestling video games I've ever played. So that and that's that's covering a lot. And as you know, that covers a lot. So uh, but yeah, it was just just no good. So I don't remember exactly the, the, the genesis of this. I know that there was a, a campaign where a bunch of people signed. I mean, I remember I signed up because it was just like I got this message. and It's like, hey, do you want Fire Pro to come back? Sign this i'm like yeah of course i want fire pro to come back like who wouldn't want it to come back and i don't know if that is what started it and maybe these guys um at spike tunesoft saw that and was like oh okay maybe there is a, a, a bunch of people that want to do this or if they had this idea beforehand and maybe they just want kind of wanted to test the waters and see if this thing you know had any legs if people were still interested one way or another about a year ago we got this tease that hey this is coming back fire pro is coming back we had no idea what to expect and now and more and more we're getting some more news and i think last week this dropped on uh, Steam, and this is uh, they're they're doing early release teasing because uh, for PCs, it's the game's slated to come out quarter two 2017, which is like we're, we're there, right? Like, is it any day? Do you know any details? Is it any day now? Is it weeks? Is it where? Because it says specifically on that website Q2 2017, so we're close, right? There's going to be a press conference on May 31st. I think uh, Dan Shokudino is going to be a part of it. I think some of the PDT guys, <laughs> As you should. Yes. yes, and we're going to get some more some more concrete details sounds like the steam version is going to be out a bit before the playstation 4 version which is also seeing a release and but but details have trickled out and this i mean this is a legit honest to god fire pro game the one you whether you've played fire pro d or fire pro for the game boy advance or fire pro returns like this is an honest to god like you know exact fire pro game which I, yeah, it's got everybody really excited. Maybe for people that, that might not know, because I mean, you and I are, are deep in the weeds here in terms of you know of uh, a pro wrestling video game nerddom or whatever. But if people have never played a fire pro game, what's the best way that you can kind of describe it? Because because I struggle in in, in describing because it, it is unlike most modern. I mean, if you tell somebody and they've only played the WWE 2K whatever games, like this is a whole different spectrum. I how, how would you describe it to someone that might have never seen a fire pro game? Well, I'll say the game has largely been unchanged. Uh, unchanged since it's i think it's like 16-bit days it's still a 2d platform game and it's based around timing and building around weak medium and strong grapples it's on an isometric view of the ring and you can pretty much do anything you want to do in the ring and it also has a vaunted creator wrestler mode as deep as uh, the grand canyon so you know it's once you play it and you get the hang of it like it's probably as, as good a game there is to like getting a feel of a real wrestling match and the way it builds and what you can do and it just it never gets old for me yeah i think that's that that's a, a great way to describe it because yeah i i first started playing it on the, the snes i forgot which exact one it was or whatever i played it on some snes emulator back you know 15 years ago whatever was my first introduction to it and then i played fire pro d on, on the dreamcast and was able to you know get some translated you know rosters for that and stuff which uh, a thing as well for fire pro is and, and for people that might not know about fire pro i mean you were talking about the 
deepest roster you have ever seen in your life in terms of known they don't have the names because they can't have everyone's names and they don't have all the licenses or whatever. But if you have a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, or if there are rosters out there, if there's ways to share rosters, all that sort of stuff, and, and we haven't quite we don't quite know what's going on with this this one in terms of, you know, mods and stuff like that. I'm assuming PC will be easy. I mean that that goes without saying that, you know, modding something on a PC will be pretty easy. As far as the consoles, PS4 and those things, it might be a little tougher. But your rosters you have, you know, hundreds of wrestlers from all across the world, from America, from Japan, uh, every different Japanese promotion is represented, uh, you know, hundreds of, of American wrestlers, like anybody that you can want. You got MMA guys in there too if you really want. Like, you know, Fire Pro D is, is the one that I really played the most uh, on Dreamcast. And that one's got I mean, an ungodly amount of, of, of different units, of different promotions, of different wrestlers. I think the wrestler count is, is somewhere around the 200s, and it's anybody that you can even imagine from, you, you know, your Dragon Gate guys, your, your, you know, DDT guy. Like you're saying, it's just everybody is on there. You just have to change the names, but it's it's fairly obvious who they're trying to represent in pretty much uh, every roster slot, correct? Uh, yeah, like, you know... Um... <laughs> my favorite my favorite name change you remember Matt Gafari from uh from Zero One yes yeah yes yeah. he was uh, in Fire Pro Returns he was Bad Safari you know <laughs> right so it's real tough to figure out and, uh, like uh, I guess he got attacked by a giraffe or something for a and uh Mirko Krokop was Cyborg Police which is such an upgrade over his uh his own name oh yeah that is a fantastic name and yeah that's uh Fire Pro Returns people don't know that was on uh, PS2 and that came out I think in 2004 so it was quite a quite a while ago um but yeah that's kind of the charm of fire pro is that it really hasn't changed since snes days like you said it's it, it looks the same uh it largely plays the same as well i mean we're going to talk about some things that they're adding in this year's game but for the most part it, it's kind of the same game and, and some people might scoff at that and, and go oh my god well, you know i'm used to the bells and whistles of the wwe 2k or whatever but like you said you play it for a little bit and i think pretty quickly you understand oh geez this is pretty awesome like the first time i played it i got absolutely destroyed i think like i was kenta kobashi against like, dilo brown and he just absolutely <laughs> stomped me it was just like oh my god as like, he would yes yeah as, as dilo brown you know he didn't want to put over you know this this guy he's never heard of or what so but no he just absolutely destroyed me and i was like all right well i, I gotta learn and, and i you know and and people will tell you it's a timing based game it's a time based game you can't just you know pound the buttons and go nuts or whatever but still like your pro wrestling brain or your pro wrestling video game brain is used to to doing that sort of stuff from the wb2ks even back to the you know um the aki games the no mercies wrestlemania 2000 your revenge your world tours or whatever they still had an element of kind of button mash as well and this is just absolutely not a button mash game fire pro it's it's all about the timing it's all about using your moves when you should move use them like there's nothing stopping you from using your one of your signature moves like as the first move of the game but it might not work. They might reverse it. Your guy's going to get tired. Like, you have to build up stuff. You got to progress stuff. You got to, you know, work slowly, you know, start with the light, move to the medium, then go to the strong or whatever. And and that's cool. Like you said, it, it, I don't know that there's a better game that represents a pro wrestling match more than that. And, and the thing, too, is with these games, I mean, you can get into these epic matches, too. Like other, you know, the WWE 2K, you know, playing a little bit of that with, with my buddy and that one, you know. I think the longest match we had was maybe like eight minutes. You know what I mean? Like, but it's just like you're throwing moves at each other all the time. You're hitting your you're hitting your finisher seven times or whatever. Fire Pro, like you can have a legit like twenty five minute match, and it, when it's over, it feels rewarding and it feels like you played like you actually had a wrestling match, right? Oh, absolutely. I the uh, I know Fire Pro Returns had kind of a a matchmaker thing where you, you would build a card based on mm-hmm. you know different promotions, which I, I was never big into simulating matches i'd rather play video games than watch them but i was like really into building like an all japan card from uh trying to fill budokan hall with the 2005 roster 
And I know my first two matches. How'd that go? <laughs> uh, well, my first two matches were thirty-minute draws, uh, thirty-minute draws, <laughs> tag matches. So good pace. But no, we uh, we filled uh, we filled Budokan. Thank oh, you okay, good. Thank God. So, uh, who, who was on the main event? Uh, I had a, a draw. I had a Keiji Muto and Kawada. So the rest was all gravy. Okay, well that, that's not a bad, that bad way to start. No, but uh, that, that went eight minutes. So I think... <laughs> Jeez, yeah, that blows. Yeah, <laughs> sent him home happy. <laughs> you know that that is kind of classic, uh, more classic New Japan. I would say with that, yeah. where you know your long undercards on your main events, like yeah. Shinya Hashimoto in and out in five minutes. Like I gotta go. See ya. Yeah, yeah, uh, but no, this is uh, some new new details come out uh, last week about this Fire Pro Wrestling World. So I wanted to kind of uh, break down what we know right now. And again, you can uh, get this information on Steam if you just look up Fire Pro Wrestling World. Uh, you can find it on Steam. Uh, and you can also sign up for the pre-release. So whenever it does drop, you said May 31st is, is that press conference. I could see that being, you know, maybe the announcement of the release or the release coming in a week or something like that. But you can sign up and get it right away for your PC. Uh, as you, Joe, mentioned, though, it's... It, not quite available for PS4 and all that stuff yet. We'll see when that comes. Uh, that could be quite a ways down the line. But for the PC people, you guys can jump in um, almost from day one, whenever you know day one is. But Q2 2017, so day one is, is imminent. But as far as stuff coming on, I mean, this I don't say it's it, it feels about as deep as Fire Pro Wrestling Returns, which to me is okay. Like I don't know that I necessarily needed like seven thousand new things because that's almost a perfect wrestling game. Like I I, I don't know that when it when I you know, finish playing Fire Pro Returns or or when I've, you know, put it in recently, I felt, oh, geez, this game's really lacking in X. Like, I feel like it kind of has everything. And I, I'm i kind of glad that Fire Pro Wrestling World is not really adding or subtracting much. It's just kind of like, hey, we got a good thing going here. Let's just hold on to it. Yeah, they're doing minor tweaks. Like, you know, you can you can move towards the ropes now if you're in a submission move. I think you can slide into the ring. Little 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 tweaks like that I think are fine as long as they leave the core gameplay the same because it's, it's not broken. Yeah. Don't try to fix it. Yeah, exactly. So as far as new features, and they listed those in in the Steam article that I mentioned here, it's an overhauled edit menu. It says now each body part supports up to nine texture layers for deeper customization. And which, by the way, if that sounds like kind of like, ah, who the hell cares or whatever, go like the things that people can do in, in WWE's create a wrestler is amazing. Like you see these guys, like obscure indie guys, and they just look like perfect. It's just unbelievable the the market for that. I really wish I was like 15 years younger, like right now, because you know now I don't have the time or, or the patience really to play these WWE games or whatever. But man, as a kid, I would absolutely love it. Because and I know you you went through this phase as well, where uh, you would go onto random websites, Game Facts. I know Cheat CC used to have these. There used to be like devoted creator wrestler, you know, websites for the Aki games, and you have to print out like exactly how to create <laughs> this guy. And it came out, it looked like fucking nothing like the guy you wanted. It's just like he happened to have red tights or something, and you're like, ah, oh, it was a lot of work for nothing. And like you had to do every single move or whatever. Where this this WWE creator roster just is unbelievable, and it, and it looks like they're they're overhauling a little bit with Fire Pro. But as you said, a lot of it's there. It's just a matter of maybe getting it that extra level here, and they seem like. They have that with the, the texture layers um, that says more user-friendly as well for the interface menu, which is good because it is kind of daunting to go in a creator wrestler in Fire Pro, so it'll be nice if it's a little bit easier. Uh, they have move renames, so you can customize every facet of your wrestler. It's also appropriate that you can rename their signature moves, so it won't be hard then to go and do uh, whatever the hell they name Okada and you know call his, his short-arm lariats or whatever, the Rainmaker. So you know it'll be nice and easy there. Uh, one that I'm sure everybody's going to love, Exchange Blows. The classic back-and-forth contest of fighting spirit wrestlers take turns trading hits until one or both of them falls. So, 
everybody will be okay with that feature and nobody will have any complaints. So that's that's good. I hope if you have Kobashi and uh, Sasaki, it goes for a half hour. and then you, just... <laughs> right? you just like put your controller yeah, down. Get you, a... do you have to like go away. You're like, all right, well. Like... Go get a cold one. Maybe break the yard with the lawn. Come back, see, <laughs> yeah. how, it, see how it turned out. There's a draw. Like, oh, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> um, and Oki Yaburi, I believe, is the Okiti. I don't know how the hell to pronounce it, but Japanese wrestling term that implies a blatant disregard for the law. In the West, we'd say move steal. Once per match, you're allowed to use your opponent's finishing move against them in the ultimate sign of disrespect. I'm into that. <laughs> uh, this, this... So if, I'm just saying, if I have my uh, Ishii, could he steal like a 450, or is this just... Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what the limits of that. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of limits to that, right? Or, or uh, Hama is going to do some incredible stuff. I cannot wait for the, mm. the hama Kotobushi match that I eventually book. That's gonna go uh, very well here. Uh, run into ring. You can now slide into the ring. So there you go. You can emulate those I mean... nineteen counts that. Uh... <laughs> right. Which is cool. I'm into that. Uh, and then you mentioned rope escape. Uh, when you're in a submission hold, you can hold R1 uh, to inch toward the ropes uh, in hope of a rope break. So that's pretty cool that you can kind of inch there. Um, and then they announced some other stuff, new moves. Uh, you know, the sport has has developed a bunch of new moves, and you're going to get a bunch of those in uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World. They show some examples, and it's basically like, you know, the Emerald Flosion, the, the Okada Rainmaker. Uh, and then I think they showed the One Wing Angel as well as, like, examples of, of moves that you can now do. So, I mean, it's basically they're going through the gamut, and, and every new move or, or guys that have been updated or wrestlers that have done big deals since 2005, they're going to get their moves updated. So uh, it's nice cool. Like, you know, that they're not using old move sets, and you guys are going to have the right moves. They just, the, the only way that they could say, hey, we're stealing a bunch of moves from guys that have come, you know, since 2005 is to say, we've added new moves, like, you know, stuff like that. But uh, uh, one other thing as well online play. Only single matches will be initially supported. We hope to increase the player count in the future, but you can play online. Joe, are you interested in doing that at all, or are you going to stay offline? Oh, I'm like... going to critical fools uh, all across the country. <laughs> are you? Yeah. I... I'm going to worry. Oh, man. That's true, but you're 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 a vet, though. Like, I, I would get destroyed because I just don't know that I would ever get good enough at Fire Pro, but would you consider yourself a pretty uh, stout Fire Pro player? At I point? like to think so. There's probably some 10-year-old out there who That's what I mean. Are you going to... Force me into retirement. But see, this is not a game for the. The, this, the good thing is, it's not a game for the ten year olds. You know, true. That's very. You got to be smart. You're a smart. This is a thinking video game for wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So you're gonna, you know, methodically work them over, and, and you know, Jinder Mahal esque, you know, work over the neck. <laughs> so, you, know, you know, you're hoping the Cobra Clutch Slam is in there, so you can. <laughs> hey, Sister Abigail's in there. That I've seen the. Uh... Oh, they did show that. Yeah, that's right. So it. don't worry, your your Bray Wyatt will be. Picked yeah, I can. I cannot wait. And and as far as uh, you know, offline play. Uh, you have Exhibition, Tournament, League. Uh, that was things from, from Fire for Wrestling Returns. As far as match types, I mean, this is another thing that's awesome as well to just, you know, create these un- <laughs> ungodly weird uh, matches. you got Normal Match, uh, Cage Death Match, which is just a, a cage match, but they call it a death match because, you know, in Japan everything's a death match, even if it's if it's really not. Uh, you got a Barbed Wire Death Match, which, as it sounds, is a barbed wire match. You have the Landmine Death Match, of course. And then uh, Joe Gagne's favorite, Gruesome Fighting, where you do three-minute rounds uh, in MMA um, styles. So I know you you like to get Sakurab out there and Vulcan and and just dominate. Uh, a nice, <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> get a nice, <laughs> see what the scores have to say at the end of it, and uh, you know that's pretty good. But yeah, you got uh, Battle Royal, uh, just normal matches as well. Um, you got an endless Battle Royal where uh, eliminated wrestlers stay in the ring and continue to fight, <laughs> which sounds amazing. Uh, and then over the top rope uh, Battle Royals as well. Title matches, Mission Mode. Um, and mission mode is basically just like, you, you know, you learn the system or whatever, which, which is good too. Cause the games have kind of needed that, uh, the far pro game is a little bit of a tutorial. So, so they do have it in there. So unfortunately, uh, the, the proverbial 10 year old that might go online might actually learn the game and, and, and be 
us eventually, but maybe not. Maybe he'll maybe we'll skip over on mission mode and just go right to online, and then we'll be good to go. But uh, yeah, what's your excitement level for this Fire Pro game? Oh, it's got to be a ten. Everything. I mean, when was the last time we had any kind of updated Japanese video game release? I mean, well, I, I, and that's that's really the big story. I think more than anything is because yeah, when is the last like legit Japanese game? Um, even in even in Japan proper, it, yeah. it's I mean, you got to go what two thousand seven, right? King of, One of the Coliseum, yeah, King of Coliseum two, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, New Japan was... And that's ancient. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. That's... I mean, go look at the roster of those, and you're going to see, like... Yeah. And New Japan was owned by a video one? game company for a few... <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, <laughs> can we get something here, please? Yeah. So... Yeah, King of Coliseum 2, 2004. So... Yeah, Fire Pro was after... Fire Pro Returns was after that. Right, yeah. So, so I mean, that still... Was, yeah, so, Fire Pro... so Fire Pro is our last... Our most recent one, which is, it, is nuts, because yeah. it's 2005 since then, so... Yeah, I like the uh, the cover of King of Coliseum too. Just to show you how old it is, it's uh, Keiji Muto, uh, Masawa, Shinya Hashimoto, and Michono. So yeah, <laughs> as you can tell, old the game. Uh, many of those men on the cover uh, not as active anymore as they once were. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, leave, that... <laughs> leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I mean this is yeah. I, I'm a ten out of ten as well, and pretty much any wrestling fan. Should be a 10 out of 10. Even if you're just a, a WWE wrestling fan, just an American wrestling fan, I think you can find some fun out of this. But anybody that listens to this show, any of the hardcore wrestling fans, anybody that's into Puro, uh, anybody, I, sh- I forgot to mention there, I mean, tons of Mexican wrestlers as well. Luchador is in there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you, you have to just love this game because it's not, it, it's been a long time since we've had uh, what I would consider a wrestling, you, you know, because the WWE games are, 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 are fine and they're fun or whatever, but I don't know how you feel about them, but I kind of, I play them for like a few hours and I'm just kind of done. Like, I, I just have no interest in them. They just don't do it for me anymore. I don't know how you feel or if you actually are, are enjoying them. No, I haven't picked one up in a, a couple of years. It's not that enticing to play with an updated roster. I mean, they're fine. I don't have any major complaints, but something like, you know, Fire Pro Returns, I pull out and just, I can mess around for hours upon hours and just... Yeah, I, I know the game's in 2D, but you can have eight wrestlers on the screen at once, which I don't think you can still do with the, the modern WWE games. I think you're stuck at yeah, six, you, right? You can have six. I believe so, yeah, if I remember correctly. Because you can do, um, yeah, you can do like a battle run. I think six is is the max or whatever. And even then, like, you can see it's like notable slowdown when that happens, too. Even on, like, you know, newer systems and, you know, on, on and consoles. I don't know about PC, but I know on the consoles, like, there's noticeable slowdown when those six guys get in the ring. It's like, come on, what are we doing here? And, like, yeah, I mean, the, the games are deep and you have, you know, the really good creator wrestler and you have, like, you know, the creative entrance and you can do all this really fun stuff and you can get. But then once the bell rings, it's like, like, I don't know. It's just the games never really felt all that well. And one of the issues that I mentioned as well is it's just like they don't have that the build that you can do in a Fire Pro Wrestling Returns or a Fire Pro you know, Wrestling World or a Returns type match where you build up to it a little bit. You can sort of start with the light moves. Like there's nothing stopping you from, you know, right at when the match starts in WWE just kind of going nuts. Like they have a stamina meter, I know, and they have some different meters or whatever. But for the most part, you're not really punished all that much. And and really what it becomes a lot of times in those games is, is just a reversal fest where if you just, you know, hit the, hit the button at the exact right time, you just reverse it. And then that guy reverses and that guy. And it's just like fundamentally they don't play like wrestling games. You don't feel like you're in a wrestling match. You kind of feel like you're just doing a fighting game or, or something like that. They've just, they, they've had, struggled to find the feeling of a wrestling match, I think for quite a while in that series. And they, they really have no need to change because there's no competition and, and, you know, they still sell their X amount every single year. But yeah, I've, I've really been disenfranchised with that for, for a while. And it's not really anything they've done. It's just like me. I, I don't know if I've grown out of it or whatever. Like you said, no huge complaints. They're just okay. They're just fine. They're the Bobby Roode of video games. They're great. And then the bell rings. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that, that that is a good cop that we will uh, get to here in a little bit. So that's uh, that's it for Fire Pro. Anything else that you have? Any other details that you've seen or, or things you wanted to mention? No, we largely covered it. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped. I can't wait till that May 31st to see, you know, what the news is. And and I, I don't have a PC that I think can play it, but then again, it's Fire Pro, so, like, you might have a PC, because that's the thing where I don't know that I can wait for it to be on a console. Because what, what consoles do you have currently? Uh, I'm still stuck on the next Xbox 360, so. Oh, so this, this would be the upgrade, then, if it comes to a system. Yeah, I, yeah, this would be. Because you're, are, are you you're not a PC gamer. Though, no, right? not really, although for this, I would be. Yeah, you might have to. Yeah, I might have to see like what the specs are and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Because yeah, you can just hook up a controller pretty easily. I have like a, a TV that I can hook my laptop. I mean, that would be I could essentially just recreate it on my you know laptop or, or whatever. But you have to see how the specs are. Hopefully, but that's one of the benefits of it is like you, you don't have to worry about the graphics because they're two T yeah. sprites. Like it's it's nice and easy. But there's a charm to that. I, I've always liked that. And, and you know maybe it's our age group as well. But like I will always be attracted like when i play rpgs like that's you know one of my favorite types of video games right now is rpgs and and i go for the ones that are the, the sprite based ones like a, a you know a chrono trigger I'll, I'll play that over uh one of the brand new final fantasy games like i'll play you know dragon quest is a game that i'm playing right now that's you know sprite based you know 2d fire emblem is a great example as well i'll play those over any of like the big time you know 3d you know extensive I, there's just something about sprites that i love like the colors of i, I i'm just addicted to sprites man. <laughs> i love uh the fire pro is going to come back and, and do that as well because I think it's just a really cool game mode. And the other thing, too, is our, our game style. And the other thing, too, is it's just sometimes it's kind of fun that processing games don't look as... I don't need them to be so hyper-realistic. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's one of the things that's sort of hurt these games a little bit, too, is that, like, they look, you know, so perfect or whatever. And you don't feel like you're playing a fantasy game a little bit. You kind of feel like you're you're doing a wrestling simulation type. I, I don't know. I've always kind of been weird about how realistic... Uh, they look now because I kind of like the idea of it looking a little cartoonish or a little more, you know, playful like like Fire Pro does. Yeah, I'm just glad I can do an actual four and four Survivor Series match. And I, I really don't care if the wrestlers don't look realistic or anything like that. Believe it or not, that is not a mode that I've ever do- uh, dove into. Is the uh, I never want to. Re- I don't want to watch Survivor Series. Oh, that's, I guess I suppose that's true. Yeah. Oh, I can do them right this time, Rich. That's true. I can, you know what? That's you know you're right. You're right. Can you control that though? Uh, no, I, I, I mean I, I, I have to all the things, so. but yeah, see, see, I don't know. But uh, no, that's that's Fire Pro uh, world, and we'll, we'll talk. Um, I'm sure Joe and I will talk about that too, because Joe is a big Fire Pro guy as well. So. All right, before we get to WWE, Joe, you know that whether it's WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, or the Indies, that the key to success is a strong roster, and great promoters know that having the right wrestlers comes from scouting in all the right places. Well, finding great talent for your business isn't any different. You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post it on all the top job sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with one click. Their powerful technology efficiently matches the right person to your position, making it easier than ever to find the perfect candidate. Over 80% of jobs posted at ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. No juggling emails, no calls to your office. You simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Today, our listeners can start forming their own winning roster on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W to start building your winning roster today. Try it again free today. ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. For WWE, I think we can go chronological here uh, and start out with TakeOver, which is uh, you know our, the show that I kind of want to talk about a little mm-hmm. bit more than, than Backlash. I imagine you're probably the same as well, but uh, uh, if you're not, we can you know we can start with Backlash, but I'd prefer TakeOver. But uh, no, TakeOver definitely, um, and I, I attended the show live, 
uh, pretty awesome experience as well. I, I, you know, the idea of a takeover in Chicago, I initially didn't want to go. And then one of my buddies bought a ticket for me and was like, yeah, was, you know, he said, Hey, I have a ticket. Do you want to go? And I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then little by little, the cards started trickling out and it was like, yeah, I, I, sh I should probably go to this. And then watching NXT TV over the last few weeks, I, I was really excited for the show because I think NXT TV has been firing on all cylinders the past, you know, four or five weeks or so. And then when the show was all said and done, it was like, the best decision I ever made because this was, I don't know if it's the best takeover ever, but I think you can make a reasonable case for it being in that upper echelon, the top three, top two. I mean, if you wanted to say it was the best ever, I, I don't think I would argue with you. Yeah. I, I, I would put it in the upper echelon. I don't know the exact ranking because there have been so many and so many have been good, but I, this was an excellent show and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got to go and you didn't sit this one out too. Cause I feel you, you would have had some regret. Oh, absolutely. And and um, I was there a little bit late, so I did not get the pre-show. So I stayed on brand there where I missed the pre-show like I do for every WWE pay-per-view. But uh, this, uh, unfortunately, was the case that I was coming uh, from Evolve 84, which ran at, at, at 2.30. So I had to jump from sh – drive from Evolve to Allstate Arena, you know, park, get to the arena and that sort of stuff. So I came in on uh, Drew McIntyre destroying somebody. I don't even remember. Oh, Murphy, right? Is Murphy the one that's not hurt? <laughs> yes, I believe that. Okay, is, uh... <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. So, spoiler alert, Drew McIntyre wins on NXT TV this week. I believe it, it is airing as you know as we speak or as we're recording this on the 24th. So, um, otherwise, uh, I was there, luckily, for the first match. And, yeah, I mean, overall takeaways before we go match by match, um, what, maybe, Joe, I'll ask you, was your favorite match of the entire night? Because I think we might have the same, and I think a lot of people are going to have the same one as well. Oh, it's the the, the UK title. It's, yeah, it's not – that was one of the better WWE matches of the year. So, it's easily, easily the best on this card, which was – Excellent card, top to bottom. And I know, I I just remember after the last takeover, WrestleMania weekend, everyone was kind of like, eh, on it. Even Triple H said, well, we didn't have enough time to build this like we normally would like to. And then it was a completely satisfying and enjoyable show that stood out on a weekend where there were about a million shows. And you just, you know, you can't doubt the brand until they put on a bad show and they haven't yet, so... Let's let's talk about that Pete Dunne Tyler Bate match because yeah that that of course was my favorite match of the night and and pretty much anybody you know who watched the show I feel like you you'd be nuts to not come away and not think this was your favorite match of the show I mean I had friends that barely watch NXT barely you know follow any other things but main roster WWE and they came away going oh my god that was great I need to find out more about these guys like I I, I can't tell you the amount of texts I got from people in the arena that were like you were right these guys rule I need to watch more right now so that was pretty cool and one of the things that I loved and, and I mentioned this in my preview uh, last week of Takeover is one of my worries was you know despite Chicago being known as you know kind of a smart fan you know base and and always have fans that are that are into independent wrestling and into kind of you know watching a, a bunch of wrestling besides the main roster I was still a little worried that maybe the UK scene hadn't quite grown that big or maybe they weren't as into the UK scene as as maybe we are on the site or the hardcore people are you know in our circle or whatever um, immediately though, they, they do the pre-show, you know, video, the hype video for, for takeover. They show Pete Dunne on the screen and the crowd just explodes for Pete Dunne. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Like that is because one of my worries is that those guys would come out to crickets. I had no doubt that when it was all said and done, people would be giving them a standing ovation and loving it. But I wanted them to, from the moment it started, like people be into the match and people be into the wrestlers. And I was worried that that wasn't going to happen. Then they show Pete Dunne on the screen. The crowd pops like crazy and like a bruiserweight chant, you know, rings out and, and goes throughout the almost the entire intro video 
uh, to take over. And I'm like, holy shit, this is this is not like anything I would have thought happened. And then, you know, we'll jump ahead. You, you know, we'll, we'll get back to, to the, the opener here. I, I, I do want to talk about this match, though, because obviously it comes on second on the card. Crowd's still hyped up. I mean, just going nuts for Pete Dunne, going nuts for Tyler Bate as well. That's nothing to discredit Tyler Bate because they were way into him too. But Dunne was the superstar here. And when the match was all said and done, I mean, the crowd was just – couldn't have been more happy to see these two just go out there and, and kill it. And, and as far as the match show, what what really was your big takeaway from the match? What did you love most about it? What, why was it your you know your favorite match of the entire night? I just think Tyler Bate is just – ridiculous for his age to be on the stage and putting on these level of performances. Mm-hmm. I think Pete Dunne is just a, such a great character. I like his whole look and like that. I don't know, his weird, like when he puts his fist up to his face, I don't really know what that means, but I think it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And just the, the perform like all the, the moves and the kick out, it was just crazy. I'm, I was glad to see people went as nuts for this. And I'm curious, like, I didn't know if I was, I was hyped for this match because I had watched the UK special which featured both of these men in excellent matches, nothing approaching this, but still. I, so I was, I'm curious if, uh, you know, a lot of people had checked that out and that's why they were hyped or whether they were just in the know and knew about the UK scene and what these two had done. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, they showed, before the match, they showed a little bit of a clip from the UK championship and, and people popped a little bit, but not nearly as much as I thought they would. So I don't know where these people were really getting in. I don't know, maybe from NXT, you know, watching the, the hype videos on there, or yeah, maybe they're a little bit more into the UK scene than I thought because uh, there was a bunch of guys in my you know, section that started a British Strong Style chant. So they obviously knew that these two dudes, you know, outside, and there was one guy, like I could hear him whispering, he's like, yeah, these guys team together and, you know, da, 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 whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. That, that's like, that's more than I thought there would be. And, and yeah, it did not take long. Uh, for everybody really in the crowd to, to, to get on board with these guys too. And I think that was the, the cool part about this is, you know, you had your big pop at the beginning and that was, you know, your smart, smart fans or whatever. But by the time this match was over after 15 minutes, like there was nobody in that crowd that wasn't hyped up for these two dudes that didn't want to see more of these two guys. And that wasn't blown away by their ages, because I think that's one thing that in the hype video, they did a very good job of, I think both men stated how old they were. And, and I'm sure that was on purpose because those guys come out and the first thing you get, and you know, halfway through the match when, when people are sensing that, oh my God, these two dudes are killing it, then I could hear the whispers around me of people being like, yeah, that guy's only 20 or like, and the other guy was like, yeah, that, only guy, that other guy's only like 22 or whatever. And it's like, you know, that is a certain level that they can build it up of like, hey, look how young these dudes are and look how good they are. And and I thought that it was creative that they put that in the hype video, that they put it in the vignettes, that they mentioned it, that, that Tyler Bate, whenever he gets a chance, mentioned it because that's something you want to advertise with these guys is that, yeah, it's not just that they're great. They're great, and they're like, you know, Tyler Bate can't drink yet in America. Like, that's insane. I'm curious, did you go back and watch the um, the actual event? I have not yet, okay. no. I, I was just... Uh, just, just, yeah, just live. Yeah, I don't know if there was anything different uh, in terms of... Did the crowd sound like they were on fire at the entire Oh, absolutely, match? yeah. Okay, all right. It was just, I wanted to make the point, I thought Nigel did a, just a superlative job here, and... He called the match. Oh, I forget. Yeah, I forget. Nigel's on the comment. Yeah, that. Okay, so so he 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 killed it too. Yeah, I mean, Jr. Jr. was was Jr. He's doesn't oh. have his fastball anymore. But he, I mean, he's fine. But between this and the, and the UK special they worked on Friday, uh, I thought Nigel was just out of this world. Which I never, you know, I thought he was. You know, when he'd show up on commentary, I actually didn't like him very much because he would uh, always kind of put down the talent and like, oh, they should have done this instead. You know, kind of kind of that routine. But he was out of this world putting both guys over and just a very pleasant surprise. So I would I would I would give that a listen if you 
Oh, I, I definitely will. Yeah, I'll, I'll, particularly this match, I do want to rewatch at some point, just because it was so good. too. I just kind of want those feelings to to stay in my head for a little bit, and then go and then you know come back and, and watch it on the network too. But I'm sure I won't like lose anything by watching it on the network. I mean, just an incredible match all around. But yeah, I thought uh, as far as the results, uh, so Pete Dunne defeating Tyler Bate to win the UK title. Uh, any issues with that? Any issues with how the match ended? Because I thought it was a really cool story that they told. So I didn't have any issues. Did, did you have any problems with it? No, I think it's it's good for the TV going forward. You know, you can have. Uh, bait chasing after done or set up any kind of feuds i think you know i don't think anyone's gonna have any complaints about pete dunn being the champ so nope. yeah and i think either guy is a good representative of the brand and either guy you know can do good stuff with i think tyler bait was a great one to have it kind of launch with because he's got you know uh, again the youth on his side and he's kind of a good guy and he can smile and all that stuff and now you get the the aggressive heel in, in pete dunn and you get the guy that now people can chase a little bit because it felt like you were a little bit lacking with bait in terms of a a, a guy that people want to chase and people really want to beat and now you can also play it up a little bit where you know regal of course is not going to be happy about pete dunn winning and and i'm sure they're going to have some good stuff up their sleeves in terms of pete dunn and and what he does you, you know to, to raise the ire of, of management and all that sort of stuff too and i think that's a really cool story that they've told from the tournament and are still kind of telling as well so uh, I'm sure that'll play in. But as far as the finish, people that did not see the match, uh, one of the really cool things as well is that Tyler basically had the match in hand and just got a little too cute. You know, just had to dive one more time to the outside, and that's when Pete Dunne caught him, and that's really all it took. I mean, for the most part of the 15 minutes, it was the guys kind of going back and forth, going back and forth. Tyler Bate really did control the last real, you know, last few minutes of the match and, and seemed to have it in hand. But again, like he got a little too cocky, a little too big for his britches. And that's when Pete Dunn, you know, seized on the opportunity and just absolutely, you know, then locked it down in those last, you know, 30, 40 seconds or whatever. Did you have any issues with that finish? Because I, I loved it. I thought it was a really cool story to tell as well. No, I thought it was really cool. And I hope the bitter end is in Fire Pro World if someone could get on that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> we have to find a substitute, Sister Abigail. Yeah. There's got to be something. Yeah. I'm sure there's something we can do. But uh, maybe they're updating it as we speak. But uh, yeah, as far as other matches on this takeover card, we'll kind of run them down real quick. The opener was Roger Strong defeating Eric Young. Uh, this match went 13 minutes, and it probably should have gone like six, because Eric Young in your opener is is not the greatest thing in the world, because this this had a lot of people yawning and bored and kind of looking at their phones and wondering, all right, what's what's next? What's the next match? Because I, I don't know if it was came away that same way on, on TV, but yeah, live it, it it died a pretty big death until Roger Strong had his last little you know spurt in the end and you know hit the nice looking drop kick and 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 then you know it seemed to people people kind of bought in the last little bit, but yeah, for the most part. Uh, particularly the Eric Young control period, which was like 11 minutes of this match. Nobody gave a shit about it. Yeah, I I like this match. Could have stand to be a couple minutes shorter. Would have been better, I think, if Roderick just kind of blitzed the guy and won. But this is the right thing. Roderick got a nice win. He got some momentum coming off his uh, his video packages. Yeah. There was the one spot where I think um, Killian Dane, I think, gave Roderick the the you know uh, running body press outside the ring, and they were like, oh the Ref was distracted. And I'm like, does he have like zero? This <laughs> freaking ridiculous, three hundred something pound man like running steam with a giant screen in front yeah, of him as well. That, I mean, yeah. that guy needs an eye test or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, I did like the uh, the op- the beginning part was awesome too because Roderick, uh, you know, Eric Young's waiting for him in the ring. Uh, Roderick comes from the crowd and then that's his way to sort of attack. Uh, Wolf and Dane and, and and knock them out for a little bit at the beginning of the match. So I thought that was kind of cool, but one of the issues I had that Wolf and Dane seemed to seem to get back up a little too quickly as well. So it seemed like it kind of negated a little bit of that beginning part where you know Roger comes out like a ball of 
fire and is able to knock those guys down. But then, you know, four minutes in or whatever, they're back up and, and, and they're able to sort of interfere in the match, as you said, and, and, and play into what Eric Young was trying to do. So that was a little bit of a gripe. And that's where it would have worked. The blitz would have worked. You know, you blitz those two guys and you get Eric Young one on one and you prove, hey, Eric, you can't do anything without these two dudes, which is, is a fine story, I think, to tell with Eric Young. I don't think you really lose anything there. And Roger. But if you wanted to tell a long match, if you wanted to fill some time. I thought it was fine, but yeah, it was it was a little boring. I thought, but that's a minor complaint, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, move on now. We had obviously Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Pete Dunne defeating Tyler Bate to win the UK title. Uh, next match we had was the uh, NXT Women's Championship Triple Threat. We had Asuka uh, d- defending her title against Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross. Asuka defeats both of them uh, to retain the title in a little under 13 minutes. Uh, Joe, what were your thoughts on this match? Because I thought it was a little interesting. I, I the finish kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere on I, live. I don't know if it kind of came across the same on TV. I mean, it was a nice finish and I enjoyed it, but it took a little second to realize, oh, it's over. Oh, wait, what what happened? Like, I, I we kind of all had to wait a second to see the replay to see exactly how it happened. Yeah, this one was a little disjointed at points for me. It was still an enjoyable match, but probably my least favorite match of the of the night, and it was still good. But yeah, the 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 they covered up the finish pretty good and explained what exactly happened and I, I did like the finish where you know the situation where Asuka could be in trouble she could not be involved in the finish and lose her title and she just goes and pins both girls anyways so um, as far as other stuff I mean my, my obvious complaint is you know any triple threat match or any multi-person match I, I would just prefer one-on-one and I thought we saw that a bunch of times in this match because there was one particular time where, where, where Ruby Riot got knocked out of the ring and it was just Nikki Cross and Asuka and the crowd popped like oh hey cool like Nikki Cross versus Asuka that's not to take anything away from Ruby Riot I think she's great as well but this was a case where people saw those two and were like alright cool this is the match we wanted and then it lasted for like a minute and then Ruby Riot came back in and there was actually a point too where Nikki Cross went out and it was Ruby Riot versus Asuka and people were like oh that's pretty cool and then there was a, mo- a moment where it was Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross and people popped and it was like every combination uh, of this match had you have done it in a singles match I feel like would have been better would have had more juice to it than the triple threat and that could be Ruby Riot versus Nikki Cross it could be Ruby Riot versus Asuka Asuka versus Nikki it seemed like every other combo people were into except for all three of them at the same time it just seemed like yeah as you said disjointed yeah I think uh, I mean Nikki Cross also had a was that uh, how many take it but she was also in a four way that was her other prior shot so I think it might be time for a right, one right. on one match I think the people are if ready, people are ready for, her. for her. I mean, yeah, she's she's way over, and she she's harnessed that character a lot too. I mean, that was a really it didn't quite seem to fit right away, and it seemed like you know it's kind of hampered by sanity. But she has risen risen above sanity, and is is one of my favorite characters in NXT. Just a different look, a different feel. Uh, even when she comes to the ring, there's just a different vibe about her than anybody else. She's starting to really get it in terms of, of what to do with her character, what to do with her mannerisms, what to do with her face, you know, grabbing at the hair, the way she enters the ring, the, the way she leaves the ring, the way she works. Like, she's really harnessed that. So I'm really excited to see her in, in either one-on-one spot or in a big spot, in, in a, whether it be NXT or the WWE main roster. I think she's she's figured it out, and I'm pretty excited to see what the future holds for, for Nikki Cross. Yeah, that, that's a gimmick that can go just terrible if, if you don't do it right. And for the most part, she's doing a very good job with it. It was kind of cringy at first when she yeah. first was doing it. It was like, yeah, it seems like you're, you're forcing it or whatever, which is, is, is understandable. And NXT, we have to remember, is, you know, a developmental brand. And it's like, yeah, sometimes it takes these people a little while to figure out what they're trying to do. Cause now a few months later, she's, she's got it. She's nailed it. She's really doing a lot with the character. Um, one of the issues that a lot of people did bring up about this match, and I was curious on your thoughts, is Asuka, you know, in pinning both of them. And, you know, I, I thought it was a cool visual. I thought it was good. It, it, it put Asuka over as she is so far and away above, you know, everybody else in this division or whatever. Do you have issues with that? Do you have issues with Asuka being as dominant as she is? Or is it 
okay because in the end, when she loses, it's going to be that big of a moment when she eventually does. Yeah, I'm in the the latter camp. I think it's I think it's great to see someone being booked so strong compared to you know people don't know how to do it anymore. No. People get like so uneasy. They're like, ah, I don't know. Like, she's, uh, she's not losing every other week yeah. on TV. It's like yes, it's great. She wins a lot. Yeah, she's <laughs> doing Goldberg. It's, it's Goldberg <laughs> right. dig. That this is a good thing. It, it's okay. Yeah, it's just interesting to see that because I'm fine with it. I don't really care because, you know, people have to, you know, I don't think you bury Ruby Riot or Nikki Cross by this. It's just like, because I don't think the takeaway was, oh, geez, those girls are, are they're garbage. And it, it, the takeaway is, oh, my God, Asuka is great. Like, Asuka is so good. And then whoever does step up and whoever does eventually topple her, whether it be an Ember Moon, whether it be, I don't know, a Nikki Cross comes out of nowhere and does it or a Ruby Riot or whatever, whoever does that is going to get such a big moment because you're going to knock off somebody with, you know, a 400, you know, win streak, you know, been the champion for over a year now. Like, that's a cool little story to tell and it's one that they don't tell that much in wrestling anymore and in the age of so much 50 50 booking i cannot believe people are, are upset that someone's being booked dominantly yep that's what i have to add it's crazy yeah it's it's that's now a uh, match that i do not enjoy very much my least favorite match of the entire night bobby Roode defeating hideo Tommy for the nxt championship um what were your thoughts on this one? Oh. Before I <laughs> could Bobby Roode maybe cheat or something at some point? Because I don't know. I just like I know he got hit with a go to sleep and fell out of the ring. So you could say, oh, he he kind of lucked out there. But like you know, he's selling his shoulder. He powers through it. And he pins a Tommy pretty much clean. Like could he do something so you know we don't have to cheer for him? Uh, that said, I, I actually did enjoy this match. I thought. Um, I actually really like the Tyler, Tyler uh, Breeze match that Tommy had a long, 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 long time ago, uh, <laughs> whenever that was. But uh, one of his better outings. Probably 2014. Yeah, it, it may have been. Like as sad as that is. I know, one of the three takeovers he somehow worked. <laughs> right. It wasn't against his match against the Ascension, but... Uh... Oh my god, yeah, that feels... That's like... Think about that. Hideo Tommy and Finn Balor versus the Ascension. <laughs> Like, what? He's the one still in developmental. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, poor Tommy. No, I, I thought Tommy was great in this match. Uh, Rude is just like I, I guess I just don't get it with Bobby Rude because anytime a match of his is over, you know, I go onto Twitter and there's a bunch of people like, oh, what a performance, or oh my god, he's done it again. Like, what a great heel. And it's like, I, you know, in my mind's and minds, I can believe that he he is playing the role of a heel as a heel is supposed to be played or whatever. But it's like. It's like some shitty like Harley Race cosplay thing that I don't really want to see that. Like in 2017, I don't want you know this to be like my champion is is a guy that that works to this level. Like you know what I mean? Like I, it's just been a gripe that I've had with him from the beginning is is it's just like the most boring generic offense you've ever seen. It reminds me of you know remember 2003 Triple H or it might have been 2004 Triple H when he was doing like I am the Harley Race of the and he was just like every match is this like slog of like, oh, he's got to slow it down and slow it down and, and minimalism and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, when it, when you really put it together, like you said, Rude doesn't cheat, you know, he comes out to a boisterous, you know, reaction for his awesome music or whatever. Then he gets in the ring, you know, he throws in a headlock, he sells a shoulder and then he hits like two DDTs and it's over. And that like, that's it. Like that's pretty much the extent of Bobby Rude's offense. And, and some people like that. Some people think that he's telling a really good story that he's doing all that sort of stuff. But I don't know, for me, it just doesn't get me, my juices flowing and, and being in the crowd there as well. It was, it was a moment to kind of see as well how other people reacted. Nobody gave a shit when Bobby Roode is on offense. Nobody gave a so, – so for this idea that, he, oh, he's playing the perfect role of a heel and he's he's building up these challengers and these guys – nobody really cared that Atami was coming back. Nobody really cared that Atami was in, tr- in trouble. And that's you know partially, I think, Atami's fault for maybe not building up uh, as well or maybe NXT's fault for not building up Atami as well. But if Bobby Roode's this you know, supposedly you know wrestling genius and this amazing heel or whatever – 
let's get the 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 crowd invested in the babyface that you're beating over. It's not it's but it's not that. It's just silence until the babyface does eventually make his comeback, and then people kind of react a little bit, and then Bobby Roode just hits two DTs. And it's over. It's just like I, I just I don't know. I haven't. I, I, I there's a disconnect between me and Bobby Roode right now on NXT, and I just don't see it the, the same way other people do. Yeah, I think it was hurt. I don't think anyone figured a time he was going to win the title. Not with you know Drew Galloway back in the fold and Alistair Black getting a big push. And I, one thing I like, they I thought the timing of the match was good. It only went about 18 minutes. They didn't try to go almost a half hour like some of those um, Nakamura matches did. Yeah, Rude's just not like super compelling bell to bell, which is a bit of a problem when you're when you're the champion. But uh, still, I thought like I I thought he sold really well, and I thought Tommy did great. So I I have to say I enjoyed this match. Yeah, all in all, I mean I, I I'm kind of putting it down, and, and it's mostly disappointment more than anything. If Bobby, you know, I don't really hate these matches. It's not like I hate Bobby Rude. It's not like I hate you know. But there's a certain level that I've kind of want my NXT main level matches to be, and maybe that's my fault for not adjusting. You know what I want out of them. But when these Bobby Rude matches come, they come and they go, and it's just like, yeah, all right, cool. Like I'm never gonna think about this match ever again. Nothing is gonna be retained. It just was a match, and it's like. I don't. I want more of that. I, I don't want that on my NXT. You know, when I watch NXT takeovers, I want these moments that I remember forever. I want Zayn Nakamura. I want Neville versus Zayn. I want the Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate. I want those sort of moments. We're gonna talk about the main event. There's another one of those. And Bobby Roode title matches just have not been that. And I maybe maybe I have to adjust because I don't know that Samoa Joe and, and or even Finn Balor or even Nakamura had those type of matches. I think there's a certain style that they want these you know main event or you know these 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 title matches to go. And and maybe I have to adjust my expectations. Uh, of what those are because yeah I just they just don't seem to have the same juice and and I think that's an issue as well is that once people get these titles and once title challengers get to that point it seems to kind of slow everything down it seems like there's there's not the same juice that there is for for the secondary titles that there is for the the world title and that I, I feel like that might be an issue yeah and, and one thing I do want to mention about Root as well you know again not to pick on him I think he's doing absolutely what he's being told to do and I'm I'm positive when he goes back there they love every second of what he does there. I, I'm positive that Triple H goes, yep, nailed it. Like, that's perfect. And so I'm not going to get mad at the guy. He's doing exactly, I'm sure, what he's being told, and he's doing it to perfection. Like, like I'm sure they love what he does, but for my viewing, you know, as as, as, as the fan that I am, it just doesn't do a whole lot for me. It, it's fine. It's okay. But there's a certain level that I kind of want that I don't think he's getting to or that he's going to get to because Bobby just never really gets to that sort of level that I want. But I, I guess I just have to, you know, adjust my expectations at this point. So Yeah, I'm absolutely certain Triple H loves the the way he's oh, being that, that old yeah. time. I mean, he, let, let's be chance. honest. Bobby Roode's, a, Bobby Roode's like a, a WWE, or a, a, you know, 2003 Triple H tribute act. Like the <laughs> spine buster, the, 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 the beard, the hair. Like, I mean, he... he and that's Bobby Roode's the smartest guy in the world. He knows what he's doing. He knows where the, who, yeah. you know, where the bread's buttered. Like, and that's, you know, hey... Smart on him. Minimal. He doesn't have to do anything. He's not hurting his body. He can go for another 15 years doing this style. Like, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. So. He needs to grow out those uh, sideburns, but... though, if he wants to. Uh... That is true, yeah. Anti-Don yeah. <laughs> uh, And then our main events. Ladder match for the NXT uh, Tag Team Championship. The author of the pain, Akamen Razor, defeating DIY Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. We'll, of course, talk about the post-match. Um, that's really kind of the big story coming out of this. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the match itself. Uh, I again, you know, I got a little bit on Twitter of people saying, yeah, 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 you know, you're right, you're right, you're right. But uh, in the arena, the story of this match from the first half was, oh my God, how low are those titles and why are they so low? And oh my God, you can get to them from the third rung of the small ladder. What are they doing? 
Uh, that was the entire story of the first match, uh, first half of the match. It seemed like people could not focus on anything else. At least in my section, people were just laughing. And anytime the, the Authors of Pain climbed up the ladder, people were like, oh my god, he can already touch the titles if he really wants to. You know, he's on the second or third rung or whatever. Did it appear that way on TV, or did they shoot it in a way that you didn't necessarily notice it quite as much? I didn't notice it quite as much until it was, it was pointed out to me later. And I thought, oh yeah, those are really pretty low. So, I mean, you know... you. Any ladder match, you have the usual trope where someone's climbing and they paw at the the title, you know, like that's like no, no, <laughs> grab it, like don't just touch yeah, that it. Never works. Yeah, that no, never works. Yeah, that never works. You have to grab it, not touch it. So I really didn't notice. So uh, others may have, but it didn't really. It wasn't that jarring to me. Okay, that's good to know because I, I think the first part of the match it kind of hurt because it, usually they'll do the part like you said where they go up there slowly and they they kind of claw at it and guys cut them off like that's any ladder matches that first you know where the guys run out immediately as fast as possible and try to get to the ladders and try to do that sort of stuff. So the first part of the match then it did kind of hurt because it was like oh Jesus like these guys can get it like Champa just has to be on the fourth rung of the small ladder and he's got him and he's already there and and like the guys knew that too and they would get to the second rung and then like slowly try to get and I was like come on like the ladder's not that hard to climb up like it's pretty easy but. Uh, to their credit, the second half of the match, they then got away a little bit from, from like you said, clawing at the titles. And it was more about, like, let's just inflict damage on the other team. Let's just inflict damage on those guys. And, and let's just kind of do the fun, you know, ladder match spots or whatever. Take these guys out, and then we can climb up without them interfering. And I thought once they did that, and once they got to that part of the match, nobody cared how low the titles were. Nobody gave a shit about any of that. And it was like, oh, my God, what are these guys doing? This is incredible. This is amazing. And, of course, the finish made all the sense in the world why the titles were where they were. And a lot of people in the crowd were like, oh, I wonder if they're going to do the double power bomb or whatever. And it was like, yeah, there, there's exactly why the titles were where they were because they could not do, you know, you know, the tandem power bombs if the titles were, you know, 20 feet in the air or whatever. So it made sense in the end when that was, you know, all said and done. But, yeah, it did hurt the first half of the match. But I think by the second half when they were doing the crazy stuff and and, and I thought the real turning point, and I don't know if you had the same thing uh, as well with your experience watching on TV, when Gargano super kicked Ellering, that crowd just went absolutely fucking ape shit. Yeah, I was not... like, that was the moment where everybody was like, "Boom, we love this match. We're in. Let's go." Yeah, I, I was not expecting that. I didn't. I didn't think he'd even like get involved to push over a ladder. I'm like, "Oh, he did." And like, "Oh, Johnny Gargano just kicked this idiot <laughs> old man in the face." Okay, let's go. <laughs> what a bump by Ellering, too, man. Yeah, that was, he was. Uh... He took it good. Like. Sometimes guys, like, yeah, they don't take, you know, the older guys. I mean, I think he's, what, in his 60s, maybe early 60s or whatever. But still, he took that bump like a man. I mean, just perfect bump. Yeah, no, no Gary Hart here. He was um... No, exactly. It was just incredible. There, and I think once that happened, like, everybody was all in on this yeah. match. And then, of course, you have DIY jumping from the top of the big ladder, uh, you know, through the, 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 the smaller ladder set up on the side to, to Ackerman Razor. Uh, you have I, – I can't really tell the difference between two of them. But one of them went through uh, a ladder as well that was set up in the – uh, in the corner, and that kind of exploded as well. The problem <laughs> was, so uh, whatever one it was, uh, he's so heavy, and the the impact was so much that like wood chips just flew out the ladder, and I was like, oh yeah, the illusion. To which one of my guys there, right? Which was funny because one of the guys in the section went, "That ladder's made out of wood." And I was like, yeah, he didn't go through a steel; like he'd be yeah, dead if thanks. Like, but this guy was like the smartest guy in the room. Like, wait a minute, that's that ladder's made out of wood, like. <laughs> Do you think? Like, he didn't, you know. <laughs> and when they hit... Uh... He didn't get impaled by a steel ladder? Yeah, that's yeah. so weird. And then, like, uh, the referees had to pull the ladder out of the ring, but, like, whatever one it was, Occam or Razor, was still on the ladder itself. And as they were pulling it, like, the wood grain started, like, ripping from the ladder. And it was just like, oh, come on. Get out of the ring. It was just like that weird moment where you're like, I know, I know, I know. Just get out of the ring. Like, like you may, your suspension of disbelief is still going on, but you still just... You don't want to see the wood. You're just like, take it away. I just yeah. want to kind of, in my head, think that it was still... 
you know what it was or whatever but that i mean that was still wood or not that was still a crazy spot and it just looked incredible live you know as i'm sure it did on, on tv as well yeah hopefully when they hit johnny in the face with the ladder that was a pillow ladder that we just uh, yeah that's oh my god that, i was, was like not nah, and they showed that in the they showed the replay of that like 18 times yeah and and they should because like that was I, I don't know if that was just the greatest sell job ever or Gargano just got decked by that ladder, but it looked like he got uh, decked on the replay. Yeah, I but, think so uh, too. Yeah, I don't I don't think you can sell that well. I, I know Gargano's a great seller, but that uh, that was an incredible moment. Yeah. But yeah, as far as the story of the match, I mean that that's the big moment right there is you know Ciampa about to get you know drilled in the face with, with the ladder. Gargano pushes him out of the way and takes it anyway. Uh, you know Gargano and and that's kind of been the the, the symbol of of this team is the two dudes, you know, working together throughout, you know, DIY, do it yourself, but, but, you know, always watching each other's back, you know, they're roommates, they live together, you know, the best man at his wedding and all that sort of stuff. And that's what made the finish. So, uh, so heartbreaking, of course, you know, the Austin Payne do win after the, the tandem power bomb. Uh, they tease that they're going to go off the air with, with DIY at the ramp, you know, hugging one another. And then the, the graphic comes up and you're like, Oh, okay. Cause there were a lot of people in my section and, and I was turned to my friends too. And I said, man, the champion turn is going to come soon. I don't know if it's coming right now, but, but maybe it is. And then like, they're walking down the ramp and I'm like, ah, whatever. And I go to like pick up my coat to leave. And then like, I just hear like, ah, and I look and, and Champa, you know, grabs Gargano, tosses him into the, 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 the video board and just, proceeds to pound them for another like 15 minutes how long did they stay on the tv because it lasted for i don't know five ten minutes maybe i mean champa was sitting on top of the announce table afterwards too and i don't know did they show all that on the on the, on the tv as well yeah what was funny is i didn't watch the show live i watched it sunday morning unspoiled and i'm, I'm watching and of course when you when it's on demand at that point you see how long the show is so when the Authors of Pain won the match there was still 10 minutes left in the show i'm like that's very, that's pretty <laughs> odd so like they're doing the <laughs> You know, they're doing the, you know, applause and all that. And they go up. I see the logo. I'm well, some like, people thought it was a send-off because it was as long as it was. Like, I, I said, oh, maybe this is where Ciampa turns. And some people said, no, maybe this is the it for DIY. Maybe they're going to the main roster because, like, they were just, like, lingering in the ring forever and ever. And I'm like, all right, maybe you're right. Like, this is pretty long. Yeah. So, like, then the, the logo comes up. I'm like, there are five minutes left in the show. Is this an error? And they're like, oh, he's turning. Okay. And then, yeah, he slammed him into the LED board. And Airy crashed through a big table. And he sat on the table. And uh, may still be there. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's ever left. So, when, when, um, I was guess, when the when you realized this match was going on last, what what did you think? I thought this meant like, oh, title wins, send everyone home happy in an exciting. Yeah, match. that's exactly. I thought there was two scenarios that I thought of: is that either it's the last match of DIY and they're going to the main roster tomorrow, which didn't really make a whole lot of sense given the build, but I, I'd be like, whatever. Or yeah, I, I thought okay, send the crowd home happy because then I knew okay. If it, Rude and Atami, obviously Atami's not winning the, his match, so they're going to have Rude win. And they don't want to have, you know, heels win out because they have Asuka winning, you know, Bobby Rude winning. It would make all the sense in the world to have DIY win in that big, huge moment. You know, they climb up the top of the ladders. Everybody goes nuts. They, you know, they put the Austin Payne through through ladders or tables or whatever, and everyone, you know, goes home happy and cheering and yay DIY or whatever. But, yeah, I was I was shocked when the Austin Payne won, and then it was like, ooh, okay, then what is going on here? And then I kind of had that, again, like that thought of, like, Oh, maybe it is their send off, but like it didn't. It seems really weird that that'd be the send off, and that. And then when it was all said and done, I was like, oh, okay. And and maybe my next question will be for you: Are are you okay with this turn? Was this the right time to do it? Would you have waited a little bit longer? Do you think enough of the story has been built for this turn, or or are you going to kind of wait to see what the TV and and how that plays out before you kind of decide one way or another? I'll, I'll wait for the TV, to, but I mean, this was built. They seem to be teasing it a, a long, long time ago, kind of back to the Cruiserweight Classic and all that. So you know there was there was some, something there and they they kind of dug it up and I I think it makes sense overall I'm just, I want to see the the explanation and where they go from here it seems like Argano's going to be out for a little bit what are they going to do with Champa because uh, Tommy also apparently turned heel afterwards so we have two 
fairly sizable heel turns in NXT. So we'll have to see where both of them are slotted and where it where it ends up. Yeah, and, and and I did forget to mention that. But yeah, Tommy, after uh, there was a, a YouTube video, I believe, uh, of him post show and just tearing up his locker room and, and just being absolutely pissed, which is good too. I think we need uh, pissed off uh, Kenta slash a day with Tommy to, to really get going here. And that's uh, it, it, it very interesting too because, like you you said, when you bring in a lot of these guys and you bring in new talents to NXT, it they seem to struggle in terms of making any of those guys a heel. If it's like a, cause Cassius owner, you're not going to make Cassius owner. I mean, people are going to cheer him when he comes in, you know, uh, Alistair black, people are going to cheer him when he comes in. Uh, Drew McIntyre is going to get cheered because he's new in there. And it's interesting to see Ciampa and, and, and particularly Atami is the ones that they decided to turn heel because those are guys that have, have kind of been there for a while. And maybe that's sort of the template is, you know, you got to let a guy be there for a while, let people get a, not, not sick of them, but get used to them. And then you can turn them heel and then you can do a little bit more with them because yeah, it, it seems for a while now that in terms of big heels in NXT, it, they've always been either kind of unknown people or people that had to establish themselves a little bit first before they could be full on heels. And, and, and Bobby Roode really toes that line too. Cause that theme music really doesn't uh, do him justice mm. in terms of, of being a quote heel. And like you said, there's nothing that is really heelish about him. He just kind of wins matches normally. Like there's nothing, you know, he's, he's a smart wrestler that wins matches normally. Like it's not necessarily like he cheats or does anything uh, too heelish to, in that sense. He's just like a smart wrestler that, that, you know, hits double DDTs to pin people before, you know, putting them away. So uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. And Tommy is going to be a good one. And I, I think, are, are you, you're, I, I'm assuming in the, in the camp that thinks that that's the good idea for Tommy. Yeah. He, he needs something at this point. This is as good as a thing as any. Because he's really floundering in a lot of ways, and and I mean that in a, you know in a sense that he's a guy that I really enjoy and I really want him to be successful, but it, it's hard to it's hard to get an idea of what a successful Hideo Itami NXT run is, or if it ever will come. Like it, I, I'm almost of the mindset that I don't think it ever is going to come. I just don't know. This heel turn is a good step in the you know at least a step in the right direction, and it'll be interesting to see. But I it just it's it seemed weird from the beginning, and it's just still kind of weird. And I don't know that it's ever going to really work. I don't know what his ultimate outcome is. On the main roster, is he going to be on 205 Live having matches in front of dead crowds? Yeah, right. Like, what career? is? It's just the optics are, are, are weird. And I guess, I mean, he's not Kent anymore. And I think a lot of us have to, you know, just get over that, that he's a totally different human being. But it's just, I don't know. There's just the whole experience there has just not worked out. And it's, it sucks because I don't know if you remember when he first went there, he was like the happiest man in the world. Like, he got away from Noah. He got away from that sinking ship. And, and you know, he was so, I mean, he was in like, he was getting ice cream and smiling. Remember his like Instagram and his Twitter account was just him smiling in various places. Like he went to like IHOP and he was like, yay, this is the greatest. And like, I'm getting ice cream and I'm like eating like the pancakes and I'm, I'm eating a hamburger and this is so great. And I love this. And he's at like convenience stores smiling and everything was just like so happy go lucky. And like, that's really not there anymore. Like, cause that was four years ago. And it's just like, yeah, he's really just, it's just kind of been a, a, a hamster wheel for Adami, uh, Tommy since then with a bunch of injuries thrown in there, like big, massive injuries as well. Yeah, it has to be so frustrating to be hurt all the time and see all your contemporaries advance to the main roster and in some cases doing very well. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, the, the Ascension. The yeah, no. like that. I, I wouldn't say they're doing well, but they're up there. I mean, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, they're somewhere. They're not, you know, so it's just a really interesting uh, dynamic there. Because, yeah, you look at at the guys that, you, you know, Tommy came in with, and it's just like, it's crazy, those guys. I mean, he, you know, came into the company with, with Finn Balor and, and Kevin Owens. I mean, that's the famous picture of, of you know, them doing the two-sweet or whatever with, with, you know, Triple H. And and those two dudes are, you know, Owens is a you know, multi-time champion. Finn Balor is a multi-time champion. And, like, Tommy's just 
Hideo Itami. And it's just like this guy that, that just kind of doesn't get great reactions. is just kind of sitting there on uh, takeover. So I'm really interested in that. I'm hoping with the influx of talent in there that maybe then you have a little bit of, of you know, like a Cassius Ono Hideo Itami match. Maybe that can get him back on track. Like, I just think he needs maybe a little bit of that. Maybe just working with guys of, of that level. But there's always the worry about injuries. And I wonder if that's kind of gotten in his head too, as it would for most people. When you get a bunch of injuries, it, it, it's hard to, you know, then go balls to the wall. You're always kind of worried about that next injury that's going to come. And, and it's hard to argue with him because he's been so injury prone in NXT so far. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. Maybe he needs to go back to Noah the reborn, but I'm sure the yeah, well, paychecks I don't aren't know, quite, uh, yeah, and I don't know. Uh, the reborn is, uh, has stalled a bit. So I don't know if that's being reborn all that well, but yeah. I'm not sure where he goes in Japan either. Like that's the other thing too. Like even if he goes back to Japan, it's like what you know, what's there for him? It's it's really not a lot. Like yeah, Noah Seafood but, wrestling. Ugh, I, I guess yeah, seafood and DDT. I mean <laughs> you could do or I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like because you know, people oh we can go to Japan. It's like that's ah, not how the dynamics work exactly. And like their roster doesn't really don't really need him either. So it's just it's a weird thing. I, I really hope this heel turn does work for him because because I'm rooting for him and I'm sure you are as well. I know many people listen to the show. Uh, are so we'll, we'll see but i thought his performance here was good and maybe this is the beginning of, uh, of things to come like maybe he's now kind of figured it out he's, he's got a little bit of confidence under him and and working with top guys are going to help him because i thought this was i don't want i don't want to say his best performance in nxt but right up there i mean you said the tyler breeze match and then yeah i don't know there's been maybe a handful of others but this is up echelon for sure uh, of performances he's had in nxt that's right oh there was one note during commentary where Percy Watson, I think, made a reference to Kobayashi style. I don't know if he, tra- <laughs> he meant Kenta Kobayashi and fucked it up, or whether he was because t- Kenta's real name is is Kobayashi. So maybe, yeah, right. Maybe he was trying to be wrong or trying to be right, but screwed up, but was still right anyway. I don't know. I saw that. You may was, never know. No. Yeah, I, 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 do you have a good read on the the wrestling acumen of one Percy Watson? Because <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. I'd imagine not much. Yeah, Percy yeah. doesn't seem like a guy who's who was watching too much like 2004 Noah. But I could be wrong. New. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go on to the Sunday show, WWE Backlash. And uh, believe it or not, you and I were uh, we were on uh, the direct messages on Slack, and I, I, I forgot what our conversation was about exactly. But uh, you had mentioned uh, something about what I was doing, and I was I was telling you, I you know I think I might want to go to Backlash. Like I'm going to see what the tickets are, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and. I was going on StubHub and seeing if tickets got low and if they were going to go to 20 or 25 bucks, I was going to do it. And I was going to make the splash because I was like, oh, man, I'm just sitting here doing nothing. Like, why not go to Backlash? And man, did I dodge a bolt by not going to Backlash. Yeah, I was like, it's like asking someone if they got on the Titanic. Like, I'm <laughs> rich. <laughs> do you really are, you, this guy? are you okay? Yeah, I think your exact quote was like, I think you're okay. Yeah, I, I don't think you have to go. Like, Yeah, I don't think you... you... There's not one in the in the loss column for you there. No, absolutely not. I mean, this uh, you know, top to bottom, I won't say it was an awful show, but it was just like when it was done, you, you know, just it was just there. Like there was just was nothing that had a lot of juice. And I thought uh, I do want to talk about the opener, the the, the real opener. I mean, there's a pre-show match at Ty Dillinger and Aiden English. I didn't watch it. I don't know or, or really care. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure people chanted ten a lot, and that's all I really need to know from it. Oh, you sure you didn't see it? Because that's what happened. Okay, yeah, there you go. So you probably got on the ropes, punched him ten times, everybody went ten, and then they went, hey, and then they got out of the ring. So uh, the real opener, though, uh, announced on the pre-show, which I thought was kind of interesting given, you know, what Chicago traffic can be, is that the opening match is going to be Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler, which really sucks 
people that might not have gotten there on time, which would have maybe been me if I had waited as long as I waited to get tickets. So I'm kind of glad too, because that would have really sucked if I showed up after Nakamura's entrance. I was like, all right, cool. Like, what else does the show have for me? <laughs> I was like, well, okay, not not much at all. But uh, Nakamura, Dolph Ziggler, uh, what did you think of this opener? Because I came away very, very disappointed, as did a lot of people. Yeah, I th- including I th- our reviewers and everybody on Twitter. I really saw it. I thought it was okay, but it was not any kind of dynamic debut. He went, you know, <laughs> he was out wrestled. <laughs> Right. points by Dolph Ziggler. It's like, all right, Nakamura should come in and blitz this guy and win emphatically. And you're like, holy cow, what a star. And not just, you know, have a match and have it be okay and a little on the boring side. It was just, you know, like <laughs> Dolph kept countering, trying to go for the Kinshasa. I'm like, oh, my God, can we <laughs> do something dynamic here, please? And it was, uh, in my case, um, as I started watching this show, I is having a problem with my washing machine where a pipe would start leaking if I tried to do a little laundry. So I'm, I'm like, I, you know, I need to make sure I thought I fixed it. I need to make sure. So I'm in my basement, like, you know, watching this match and hoping a pipe doesn't leak, which it does, which didn't add to my excitement for the show. So I had like, like, you know, probably the worst possible scenario to watch. This, <laughs> this, this match did nothing for anyone, frankly. Yeah. That didn't sound, uh, that's not enough fun at all. But yeah. In terms of the entrance. And I thought that was really what, what got me is, you know, he comes out and, and yeah, the music's great, the, the entrance is great, the lights are great or whatever, but were you a little disappointed that it was just Nakamura coming out to his music and not the violins, you know, not a band, not anything, just Nakamura walking out? Yeah. I thought you got it, you got it something for his, his debut, right? Like, this is the guy, that, he's on the poster. I mean, he was this this event. This event was built around Shinsuke Nakamura and he just kind of walks out and like, yeah, the entrance is great on its own, but I feel like you got to do a little bit more, right? Yeah, there's got to be some violinists in Chicago they could have called up. I'm sure that's I, I think there's quite a few. I, I have an entire family. One of my friends growing up, his, his mom was like a, uh, a violin teacher and she would just get this like 30 kids a day would just come in and these like they go and they would travel around the world and they were in all over different regions like i i knew i know five of them it just asked me i could have gotten could have hooked you up with five violinists right now but yeah it's it's uh, it's nuts yeah it just kind of came out and like you said i think the, the real story of it was when it was all said and done i mean a 15 minute match almost 16 minutes and most of it was Dolph Ziggler controlling Nakamura and destroying him. And, and I thought the story of the match for people that might not have, you know, been watching SmackDown or, or built up with the story is, is Dolph and, and WWE commentators as well. JBL was saying it too, which, you know, of course, JBL is, is always kind of the voice of, of Vince as well. Of Yeah. Nakamura, you're a big deal. You did this, this, and this, but you haven't done it here. This is, you know, now you're in the big leagues. Now you're in WWE. Like, I don't care what IWGP championships you had. I don't care that you were in all this or whatever. Now you're in the big leagues, which I thought was ironic. Cause like, he was on XT and, and was their champion, but they decided just to never mention that at all, ever. It's like during the build that, you know, on your own brand and on your network, he, he was actually a champion. It was kind of a big deal, but they basically just swiped all that and said, nope, you were a champion in Japan and now you're here. And all that shit you did there doesn't matter. This is the big leagues or whatever. So when you have a story built like that, having you get thoroughly outworked by the WWE guy until you, you know, just hit your move finishing move in the end and then win, is that really the right way to debut a guy? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like the weird retcon they did where the NXT run apparently never happened. And we just... They never it. mentioned it. Like, I think they... Bre- like, so they went on this, like, diatribe about, like, IWGP and JBL's like, oh, if you haven't done it here, you've never done it, buddy. Like, da, da, da. And then, like, six minutes later, I think somebody was like, yeah, NXT champion. Like, and somebody must have said, oh, wait, say that he was an NXT champion. Like, and in the build, it never existed. And, like, in most of the optics of this match, it never existed. And it's just... So bizarre because it's like it wasn't that long ago that he was, you know, on top of that brand. And that's a brand that's on your network. But I guess for the story they wanted to tell, they wanted to tell him as 
the, the, the underdog in a sense, the guy that, that needs to prove himself, which is fine and well and good if he goes out there and just destroys Dolph Ziggler. And it's like, oh, whoa, okay, he proved himself. But he didn't prove himself, really. No, he really didn't. It was not the most he, exciting debut in, in company history. He just had stamina, I guess, I guess, and like determination to hit his one move. Like, because I'm, I'm really, I'm going through my brain trying to figure out anything else that Shinsuke did in this match. Other than, like you said, try the Kinshasa. If it didn't work, try it again, try it again, try it again. Okay, I hit it. Thanks. Good. Bye. I'm done. Like, that's all I remember from this match of him. I don't remember him doing anything else. No. Because I don't know that he did anything else. Did no, he, he didn't. So. That's what I mean. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think. And I'm like, wait, he didn't because Dolph just controlled the entire fucking match. And it's just a really weird way to debut Nakamura. I just, I, I thought it. It was no good, and the crowd wasn't invested in it. They didn't really care. Even when Nakamura won, it was kind of like, yeah, that's cool. But it, it really uh, a, a, a real blown opportunity here. I would have had him go in there two minutes. I mean, what does Dolph Ziggler lose by beating him in two minutes? No, he's, Who cares? It's Dolph Ziggler. He's been there a like, decade. I think he's pretty much right, firmly like, entrenched. That's just That was a really bizarre, yeah. bizarre, bizarre thing. And, and Dolph Ziggler, the heel, comes out with like, uh, you know, the American flag on his tights or whatever. It's just like the whole optics of everything. We're just like, what are you doing here? Like, this is not, this is the easiest story to tell in the world. How are you guys making it this complicated? But uh, they did. And and that was that. So that's uh, when that was the opener and that disappointed, I was very happy. I was sitting on my couch and not sitting in a, in a chair at the Allstate arena. Cause I was like, Oh boy, I really dodged a bullet here because the rest <laughs> of the show not looking great. Cause that was really the only thing I was looking forward to. Uh, yeah. The Usos versus Brizango, which, you know, honestly might be, I, Am I crazy if I say this is like the match that I enjoyed the most on the entire show? No, because it was actually funny WWE <laughs> comedy. So, which is, you know, and and some sprinkles of good wrestling in there, and it was actually a genuinely entertaining comedy match. And you can complain like, oh, it's a tag title match, you're taking it seriously, what, whatever. It was it was funny, it was entertaining, it was a ray of sunshine on this show. I would uh, I would run with it. I don't know how you know, I guess the fashion police trend turns you into a master of disguise i didn't really follow that plot line but... <laughs> yeah i don't quite get what well, whatever was, yeah, yeah it's fine with it. yeah, yeah exactly i had a friend text me like why is he a grandma and i was just <laughs> like i don't know just, just like, go I, it, please. I was like i undercover i guess as, as what i responded he was like oh okay and i never heard anything back from the rest of the night so he's basically like, well this is stupid but no yeah i was i was fine with it and like i did see a little bit of complaints about like oh this is a t- they gotta take it serious but it's like i don't I can believe that Tyler Breeze and Fandango wouldn't take a tag title match serious. You know what I mean? Like, I would believe that these dudes would be too preoccupied with, like, having their little fun and doing, you know, their little dress-up stuff and doing their undercover disguise and, and playing up their fashion, you know, police thing more than they would caring about winning a, a you know, a title. I can believe that. That that was not that unbelievable to me. So when I saw people complaining about that, I was like, I think you might be taking, you know, you know Breezango a little too serious. Like, it, it's Breezango. Like, yeah, this is completely in character for them it was like after that ladder war match where the young bucks opted to do a move instead of going for the you know yes, it's like yeah. that's of course what that's what they do that's completely they're fucking dickwads yeah. Yeah, they're like show off dickwads of course they would do this that. was them taking it seriously <laughs> right exactly so yeah i was fine with that i thought the usos were, were solid in this match too they're they're really kind of getting coming to their own and as they're entering uh they're blowing past the t-shirt phase and now they're just in sweatshirt phase as well in terms of the samoan body structure but no i think they're really uh uh, they're starting to get a little bit more. I mean, it's 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 amazing this team, like, three shit, three years ago, two years ago, a year and a half ago, were, like, high flyers, and now they're just, like, these bruising big men or whatever, which is great. They've they've officially, like, slowly evolved into, like, the, the, the you know, 30-plus-year-old uh, Samoan 
work style, look, everything. And I, and I love it because I, I want them now to be here for the next 10 years doing that exact same style. Yeah. They, they, how long have they been around? feels like. Man, like that first I, – I was watching some show the other day. I don't remember what it was, but I forgot like their initial heel run. Like to me, they've always just been like the guys that do the fun dances. That, that, you know what I mean? Like those. That, that's how I remember the Usos. But yeah, they came in like – was it? It could have been 2006. Could it have been? Um, it's got to be a little. Yeah, sooner. yeah, it might be. That might be a hair early, but still, it's if I can't. Because they came in as heels, and yeah. I remember watching that. I was like, what the hell is this? So like maybe, maybe 2010. Does that sound about right? Yeah, probably around there. Let me see. If I forgot who they. Yeah, maybe them. The Hart Dynasty had a lot of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. I remember. I don't remember if that was 2010 or 2011 or whatever. But yeah, I was watching a show like that, and I was just like, oh yeah, they used to been here for like six, seven years now. It's just like, it's pretty crazy. But it's good that, that they've reinvented themselves because, and that's that's an issue with with main roster WWE right now is that so many guys. And we talk about Dolph Ziggler's a perfect example. A guy who's been there a decade and really for the last eight years has kind of just been the same guy. He's just kind of Dolph Ziggler, like different things happen with him. And it's so hard now for guys to reinvent themselves or do different things and to have the Usos be completely different than they were you know, two years ago is, is really cool. And it's just a whole different feel and look and vibe when they come to the ring that you don't really, I, I don't know that you would know that these were the same people. If I showed you these two people, you know, wrestling for, for two minutes and didn't tell you who they were, I don't know that you would know that this is the same team, which, which is cool. I enjoy that. They've, they've really, they're smart in that sense. They understand that they're heels now and there's a certain way to work. They've gotten older. They don't need to fly around as much. I just think the whole optics of the USO's team is, is really cool. And, and I've been enjoying the hell out of them. And I thought this was a really well-worked match. I mean, comedy aside, I thought even with the comedy, it was, it, it was fine. Everything worked in this match. It was, you know, yeah, it might be my favorite match the entire night. And I, I, I don't feel ashamed saying that. So I can confirm it was 2010. In fact, uh, May 24th, 2010. So seven years to the oh, day exactly. as we record. Happy anniversary of the Usos. Yeah. Seven years. Yeah. That's a long time. Would you get them? For a day. Would you get them? What I get? Them? Well, not food. <laughs> cake. Yeah, cake. <laughs> they would always was good. Either. Yeah. That's a long ass time for a tag team to. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. And they never broke up, or even, I don't, they never teased a dissension or anything like that. They just yeah, did they? I, they never really. Yeah, that's. I mean, Jesus. that's the trope of all tropes in WWE. Is like, all right, team, all right, what are we breaking them up? Like, gotta do it right away. Yeah, they've never even even teased yet. Yeah, they've never had any, right? I'm trying to remember in my head if they've ever even. I can't think of anything. How many singles matches have they had? Like, how many singles matches has Jimmy Uso had? <laughs> like, it'd be amazing to see. I'm, I'm gonna do yeah. a cage match search here while we're talking about this next match and i'm gonna let joe i want you to give me your extensive breakdown here Sami Zayn, baron corbin now try to keep this uh, as condensed as possible uh the match was 14 minutes <laughs> i want you to uh, explain this match in less than 14 minutes if possible oh god so, almighty uh, i know it's a, gonna be tough <laughs> there was a bear hug uh the, was, okay i thought my my phone was broken because there was no noise coming from anywhere but it was just it was like it was, a, is, it was library it's quiet very hard to do at the all-state arena yeah and and, and Sami Zayn won, so that's you know I, I like I'm glad that Sami won. I'm I'm guessing Baron Corbin's the gonna win Money in the Bank, so they're just having him do some jobs now to I don't know add intrigue or to something or other later. But yeah, this the this was no good. This stunk. This upset me more than my leaky pipes. Yeah, <laughs> jeez, that's. It was bad. No, it was bad. I, yeah. I probably would have preferred working on plumbing than watching this match. But uh, so update on the Jimmy Uso. Of course, these assholes had to have a singles match <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I, I, there you go. But to be fair, uh, so Jimmy Uso lost to Fandango yesterday on SmackDown. So thanks a lot, assholes. But to be fair, before that, it was October 2016, the last Jimmy Uso singles match. So uh, and prior to that was June 2016. He's only had 34 TV singles matches. Huh. That seems high to me, actually. 
Yeah, it does. So he had uh, 2010, he had one. 2011, he had three. 2012, he had four. Some of these are like main events or whatever. 2014, he had a bunch. So one of them, had, so Jay had to be hurt from like midsummer to December of 2014 because there's a huge run of Jimmy Uso uh, singles matches and then really not many more after that. All right, good to know. I don't. I don't recall the Jey Uso uh, injury, uh, but whatever. There you go. So, so not many, except for the one last night, negating my point, you know, almost instantly. But, uh, yeah. So, your official review was leaky pipe, superior, greater than yeah. Sammy saying. I give this one <laughs> leaky pipe. Yes. Yeah, and I agree. This was just bad. Yeah, there was just nothing there. I, I, I have nothing. I, I honestly didn't retain anything from it. I have no strong thoughts or nothing. I can really add to it. So. Uh, then I will move on to uh, the six-woman tag team match. You have the welcoming committee, Natalia <laughs> Carmella and Tamina, <laughs> defeating Charlotte, Naomi, and Becky Lynch. Yeah, this was not 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 a lot here. They really called the welcoming committee, okay. Um, yeah, no, um, this was just ten, ten minutes of zilch to me, and I don't know what was up with Becky's hair, and then she tapped out, so there you go. Yeah, what, dude, were you a little weirded out by the finish? It was just like Becky, you know, went on a little bit of a run, but then Natalia just like stopped her down and then yeah, tapped, then her, tapped out. her out. Yeah, tapped her It's like, oh, okay. Like, it seems like Natalia never wins, so it was really kind of the <laughs> immovable force in the uh, or irresistible force in the immovable object there to see who would who would lose. But yeah, Becky taps out. Just kind of a weird, weird, weird deal overall. Yeah, like I, and looking at the team, you know, you have Charlotte, Naomi, and, and Becky. I mean, Becky is obviously the one that would take the fall, but I never thought in a million years I thought you'd you pin Carmella. I mean, that that that's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Natalia can still save face. Carmella does something stupid and you pin her or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's easily the way that I would have played it up. And, of course, you're not going to pin Charlotte. You're not going to pin Naomi. Uh, and I thought Becky would have been protected a little bit more. And I thought you have Carmella and Tamina there as, as potential ones to, 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 you know, have lose. And Carmella sticking out like a sore thumb is the one you want to have lose. But, no, Becky's the one they choose to lose, and she's been, like, the leader of the SmackDown women's brand for so long, and it's like, you know, we, we talk about with TakeOver, and we talk about how, you know, people can't handle, you know, Asuka being the dominant champion or whatever. I mean, this is the one of the most clear examples of, like, just this 50-50 whatever-the-hell booking is, like, all right, Becky, you know, kind of dominates the division for a while, and then she just loses, and it's like, who cares? You know, whatever. Natalia taps her out, and it's like, Natalia never wins. Why does Natalia win? Why did Becky lose? Like, it's just when it was all said and done, you're like, all right, whatever. You know, move on. <laughs> There's yeah. no, like... Nothing retained from it, nothing really gained, nothing lost, just kind of a match that that existed. Um, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles for the U.S. title. Uh, Kevin Owens defeated AJ Styles by, a, I thought, a pretty interesting finish. Um, he worked over AJ Styles' knee through the entire match, and I thought Styles did a fantastic job of selling it. I mean, he tried to springboard at one point and, and collapsed, and, and, like, you know, collapsed, like, shockingly, like, took a lot of damage in like his fake, you know, bump collapse thing that he did or whatever. But yeah, the entire story of the match was, you know, you know, Owens working over the knee and the legs and styles, not really being able to do a lot of the high flying that he did. And, and the finish was, uh, I thought a little creative cause you had AJ styles and Kevin Owens, you know, messing around outside. AJ styles got his leg caught in uh, one of the monitor holes in, in, in the announce table and Kevin Owens, you know, ever the, the, the tactician or ever the, uh, you know, one to, to, to grab some sort of opportunity, slides into the ring and wins by countout, defeating AJ Styles. Did you have an issue with the countout finish or, or the way that they did the finish? No, if they want the feud to continue, I, I think it's fine. Does it bother you the match went 21 minutes before they went to that point? Would you rather, if you're going to get a countout finish like that, would you rather the match just goes 10 minutes and then they, they go right to that? Or... Yeah, to me, I don't because I, I the way that when this match was all said and done, like I came away going, okay, this is chapter one and there's obviously going to be another match and Styles is going to want to get his next, you know. I thought it, you know, at times it dragged. I think maybe 21 minutes might have been a little bit too long for these two. But, you know, with that said, I don't know that, 
I would have changed a whole lot about the match. I just think when you have the, it, it wasn't going to be the one where they go all out. Like that's going to be whatever the third match or whatever the rubber match of, the, uh, of their battle is going to be one where they, they go all out. And once they do that, I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be balls to the wall. Uh, this one was a good little story to tell where Owens just works over styles and knee. And, and I thought it was smart. Um, you know, yeah, maybe not the most dynamic match and, and maybe it did kind of suck after 21 minutes to get the count out. But you know, that was an old WWE trope, like back in the eighties and nineties or whatever. But like a lot of times they would do like the double count out or whatever. And that fucking sucks. Cause it's like, Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, are you kidding me? I didn't mind it because it really worked in the story. It wasn't just like a cheap count out to be a cheap count out. It really did work within the story. And and Styles doesn't look like a guy that just kind of like laid outside to get counted out, but more or less a guy that was just like he got caught in a really, you know, shitty, op- you know, something shitty happened to him. And Owens, you know, being the dickhead he is, just kind of slid in and, and took advantage. So I, I didn't mind it that much, but I could see people having a little bit of a gripe. But for me, not really. Yeah, I, I don't I'm foresee a big problem with it and both men are in money in the bank i'm sure we'll get some future interaction there one of them will cost the other the the briefcase i'm sure and then we'll we'll proceed from there absolutely and then we'll move on to uh the next match the buffer for some reason like owens and styles ended on the count out everybody kind of went groan and went yeah count out finish that kind of sucks because when you're live it kind of sure it's like let's be honest it sucks when you're there live especially when it's owens and styles so uh, WWE said, you know what, we need a buffer match here. So we're going to get Luke Harper and Eric Rowan in here uh, for this buffer match. This, oof, not, not good. I, I, I thought, you know, like, it wasn't a disaster. It was like, uh, the, you know, Eric Rowan just doesn't have a very high ceiling for me. And, you know, it was it was competent. And, and, and then <laughs> Luke Harper won when he pushed him down. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, okay, they missed time. The, the discus clothesline. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh I don't know that this needed to be a buffer match. I think this match would have would have benefited by being a little bit earlier on the show and or you know, I don't think they needed to be Yeah, I'll get you one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's great. And then we had <laughs> the main event. Oh, boy. Uh, there we go. There we go. WWE Championship match, main event, Jinder Mahal with the Bollywood boys. Sunil and Samir defeating Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. Joe, what are your thoughts? Jinder Mahal, your new WWE Champion. Well, I mean, the match, the match was it was okay. It was not like some great main event. It was not, it was not a disaster unless you're one of the Bollywood boys. In which case, <laughs> I think you could certainly label it as such. Uh, it was fine. It was kind of boring in points. I, you know, I, Randy Seymour fired up the normal in a bad way at points. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it was fine. It was, I, I, I really don't have a lot of analysis to add. It was a little dry in points. It wasn't bad. If you think this was some super match, I, I strongly disagree. I don't know. I think that's the, the level we're going to be at for a while. Well, uh, you know, and I, you know, you, I mean, uh, I was going to say like the crowd did seem to be into it for you know, to their credit. So yeah, yeah, that that was kind of my my first like real interesting takeaway of the match is like, all right, so I so you have the count out win and then you have a buffer match. I'm like, oh dude, this Chicago crowd is just gonna absolutely shut this match. They don't they don't care like they and to their credit, I mean, they were into it. Like for whatever reason, Chicago really loves Randy Orton. I've never understood it my entire life. Like no matter what, like the smarkiest crowd in the world that hates this guy and Fox Cena and let's chant CM Punk and let's see all this shit. But then like Randy Orton comes out and everybody's like a 10 year old Mark again. And it's just like, I don't get it. Like, like of all the guys, they love Randy Orton. It's never made sense. Batista was always that way too in Chicago. Like they would just hate everybody. And then Batista came out and everybody just went nuts. Like they just, 
fucking love Batista and Randy Orton. I have no idea. Maybe they're big OVW fans in, in Chicago. I, I miss the OVW scene, apparently, in Chicago. That would have been really nice to, <laughs> you know, trade Cornette Heyman OVW booking tapes <laughs> with other people. But uh, I guess I missed my calling on that sense. But, um, yeah, they were into Orton. And there was a small segment into Mahal. And then the segment that wasn't into him was into booing him. And it was like, huh, this is actually a pretty decent dynamic. I mean, given that it was Chicago, like, I did not think the dynamic of, like, Everybody cheering Randy Orton, wanting him to win, and then everybody booing Jinder Mahal, except for your, your small subset of fans, cheering for him would, would occur, but it absolutely did. So it was, uh, you know, I think WWE, I'm sure Vince was, was quite happy with how that turned out. Uh, and I was a little surprised by it, too, and it, I, I thought it added to the match because no matter what these guys were doing, uh, the crowd was way into it. But like you said, as far as me, you know, watching it and, and me being, you know, a wrestling analyst or whatever, there was just not a whole lot there. And that's that's the limitations of Jinder Mahal. He just doesn't really bring a lot to the table in terms of in-ring. And and for some people, that's fine. For some people, it's all about the story. It's all about the bill. It's all about, you know, the the, the whatever you want to say. For me, I'm, I'm a guy that enjoys, you know, a nice in-ring match, a, a match that's, that's, you know, solid, one that I can really sink my teeth into the in-ring, you know, parts of it. And, and this wasn't that. This was, you know, Jinder Mahal doing Nervold, Jinder Mahal doing, you know, some other stuff. But, yeah, I thought the last, you know, few minutes of the match really picked up. And, and you know, <laughs> for better or for worse, unfortunately for worse, uh, for uh, I forgot which one it was, whether it was uh, Sunil or Samir. But the part of those guys interfering and and, and, and Randy Orton tossing them out of the, the table. I mean, the crowd just lit off when those two dudes got, got pushed through those tables or thrown through those tables or whatever. And the crowd, when they sensed that Mahal was going to do it and, and win – there was a big pop there and it was just like, they were excited to see a title win and they were shocked that, Oh my God, Jinder Mahal pinned Randy Orton and won the WWE championship. I think a lot of people had the sense that, yeah, yeah, maybe this can happen, but I don't know that anybody really would have said, Oh yeah, Jinder's definitely winning here. I think I was a little shocked. Were you shocked or did you kind of see this coming? Uh, I don't know. Like I recently went to a show where Jinder was in the second match, beat Curtis Axel to silence. That was like Easter weekend. So to say like, you know, Right. Months later, really, he's like, headlining. Like, like oh, this is a, a pretty quick turnaround here. I, I, I didn't imagine it. You know, just on on paper, I, I didn't think it would happen. But as it got closer, and you realize that you know, it doesn't really matter overall. So why not? There's, you know, it's just why not? It could happen, and, and yeah. it did. And that's that's one thing I've seen a, a bunch of arguments about is because you know I tweeted out you know who cares why not you know whatever I'm 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 fine with it it'll work you know obviously that's not the retweet that everybody got and everybody went nuts about oh, but yeah. that's you know Twitter being Twitter yeah but uh, yeah oh, let that go for another day but uh, you know I said I was fine with it I was cool with it and it didn't really matter and then I got a few people that were like yeah people said that during David Arquette when he won the title and I was like no that was a company that needed a strong champion like that was a company that had you know destroyed all goodwill. And and it's just different optics and different, you know, what what wrestling was then and the business of wrestling, particularly the business of WWE, you know, versus David Arquette and, and 2000 WCW is, is night and day. I mean, this is the network era. Nobody's going to – nobody's canceling their network. I mean, yeah, there were some people that, like, took their screenshots. They'll, they'll fucking be back in two months, you know, if they're subscribing to the network. Or if they're not, you know, it's a few dozen people that are like, oh, I'm, I'm subscribing. This sucks or whatever. I'm not going to watch this. But by and large, no one's going to go away. Their business is going to suffer. It's going to be fine. I mean – Hell, the viewership for SmackDown was up. You know, people were interested in seeing the the coronation of a Jinder Mahal. And sometimes you need this like, kind of like a a reset or a quick little, oh my god, I cannot believe this guy's champion. And and sometimes that can really work out. And sometimes it can be a good thing. Like the problem that you mentioned though is is Jinder just can't go in the ring. So there's always going to be that limitation there, and that's going to kind of catch up at some point. But in the short term, who? I mean, I can't really get upset about it. It's whatever. I mean, it's shocking. I don't know if it's a good shock or a bad shock, but. 
you know, whatever. They got people talking about them for for a day or two, and they got you know a, a popped a rating for SmackDown, so that's kind of cool. Long term, eh, I don't. <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, I mean, I, I I I had trouble getting really upset about it or really worried about it. It's dumb to be. I mean, how do you get upset about anything they do booking wise anymore? Yeah, we're in a weird time where, like you said, it's not like you know if this was a pay per view, it would have bombed pretty bad, I think. But that's not an issue anymore because no one's going to cancel a network subscription because maybe you really like you know. Takeovers, which were presented the day before, you right? Which to... is and, and WWE's done a great job of building that business model where you're like, yeah, fuck main roster WWE. Ooh, the UK tour. Ooh, the yeah. archives. Ooh, smack. Like you can you can subscribe to the WWE network and not watch a single bit of main roster anything. And I like and get your nine money and get your ten bucks worth like easily. Yeah, this weekend watching the the UK special and Takeover, it was totally worth my money. So. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show, Joe and I, like, you know, if, if main rosters got you, like, really worried or whatever, you can watch 205 Live, TakeOver, I, or NXT, 205 Live, and then the UK special or whatever, and then the archives. You're fine. Like, you're good. Like, those are all on there for you. And there's a ton of other good stuff on that network, too. And then you can go without the roster. So, yeah, the idea that, like, everyone's just going to jump ship or whatever, I mean, that that's not going to happen. Like, people are... They'll be back, you know, if they, if they even unsubscribe in the first place, so... Yeah, and, you know, sometimes something weird and shocking can be good least short term so hey no one expected this people are talking there's some benefit to that uh what are your thoughts on you know because one of the big stories about this entire thing was you know the the, the reach in india and, and you know WWE wanted to reach more into india and jinder mahal being one of the representatives of that and and my initial thought was that was a little weird because jinder was so heelish at the beginning and it was so like kind of you know he lucked into his spot and it just seemed so out of nowhere and i was like i don't know if this is really the right guy to say hey india look what we got we got this guy, you know, is main eventing a, a, a you know a pay per view. How cool is that? Now you're all gonna love us or whatever. But then little by little, I think WWE has gotten smart about the way that they've sort of built him up. And and I don't know if you get this sense. And if, obviously, it's not on the same level at, in any way, shape, or form right now. But you know, who the hell knows? But maybe for India, it is. But I get a little bit of the Bret Hart '97 feel from it. Of course, again, Bret Hart very good. '97, <laughs> one of the best years uh, in wrestling history, particularly with Bret Hart and his character or whatever. But I get a little bit of that feel where, especially the promo that he had at Backlash, you know, looking into the camera and saying, you in America, you know, you judge me, you know, Americans, you judge me, but but I'm Indian and, you know, we, we have pride and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, that's really cool because for the entire build, they haven't really done a whole lot of that. And I thought that promo was like, hey, look, the Americans are booing me, but they're ignorant assholes. Screw them. I'm representing you, India. You know, I'm for you. And, and I thought that was cool because he wasn't he was a heel to a certain audience, but not all the audience. And I thought that's a really distinct thing and a, and a really important thing if you want to present this guy to India as being a big deal. Because you don't want him just to be a dickhead. You don't want him to be an asshole that's cheating. and Because and, are, are that many people going to be attracted to it? But if he's a guy that's saying, like, hey, look, I'm trying to fight injustice and I'm trying to fight you know, racial prejudice or whatever, that's kind of cool. And I think that could really work if they go all the way with it. What I mean, they're touring India later in the year, right? I don't know the exact... <laughs> Yeah, I don't have the days in front of me. I can try to uh, fire that up. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't try to build him up and have him, you know, win the title in India. If you want to make a splash... September, kind of... September 2017. Yeah. So we got a long time until that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you want to make a splash in a country, if you book a big arena and you have him come out and say, I guarantee you, I will win the title, you know, I think you could do something there. Give him a chance to kind of grow into the role. I mean, my biggest problem with it is that it was just too sudden a turnaround from being the biggest scrub on the roster to... You know, holding the same belt that, uh, you know, the lineage of that belt and, you know, going all the way back to uh, Buddy Rogers. It's, it's just too much too soon for me. Yeah, that's 
that is part of one of my things as well. Because you mentioned you were, you know, Easter weekend at, at a house show and he was against Curtis Axel. I mean, I was in Italy, like on vacation when I looked at, you know, because I obviously with, with the time change or whatever, I randomly woke up in the middle of the night. I think my phone buzzed or whatever. And I look at my phone, it says Jinder Mahal, number one contender or whatever. And I just... 100% assumed I am in a dream, something weird is going on, I woke up, like, my brain's not being right, so I went to the bathroom, I went back to bed, and then I woke up, and I was like, no, okay, like, Jinder Mahal's the number one contender, and I was like, what the hell, and like, yeah, I would have, I just think it was too, like you said, just too quick, it was like, this could have really been, like you said, I think that is the moment that you do, is that you have this guy slowly but surely build it up, and maybe it is the thing that they don't think that he's got the legs to do it for that long, but it just seems really weird if that's the idea and if that's what they're going to tout a little bit of, oh, hey, we're building this guy up for India, if you're not going there until September because September – I mean that's that's so long from now. I mean God only knows what's going to go on with Jinder Mahal until September. I mean he could be back facing Curtis Axel and doing nothing or whatever. Like, or like could you even fathom him holding the title until September? No, I can't, that can't just rule gives you, like, that out. That's... I just got the chills thinking about that because that is really not going to be good if he has the title until September. I mean uh, he has Orton. Money in the Bank in July. You have SummerSlam in August. That's a tough one because I don't know. Can <laughs> a SummerSlam, right? Like... I given that, I mean, he could he could go in first on SummerSlam and just you know, that's true. Yeah. Fight whoever, and then whatever in September, and there you go. So I'm, I'm I'll say it right now, but he he's going to hold the title till the India tour. That's, that's you heard it here first. Great. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the way I would have done it, and I think you you have a great idea there, is yeah, have him talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and do the title switch, you know, at an India show or whatever, like you know, whatever the big show. I don't know if they're doing one, but that's I mean, that's where you really get ballsy there and say, hey, India, because I think more than anything, and, and that's what I've always really said about when you go to a new market, I, and and we've talked about this, Joe and I have talked about this in terms of when they go to. Um, uh, the, New Japan goes to, to Los Angeles is to make that crowd do something on that show that says you are important. This is important. This matters. Not like, Hey, here are our superstars. Yeah. They're pretty fun or whatever. Yeah. We're not going to do We're not going to give you anything of substance or whatever, you know, for, for so long, WWE in the UK was like, there was nothing, you know what I mean? Like in the nineties, really nothing happened outside of, you know, 1992, obviously with SummerSlam or whatever, for the most part, they were just these random shows that would just sort of happen or whatever. Uh, they were able to maintain, you know, a pretty decent audience there, but like I would have done, do fun stuff, do a big deal there, do something that really stands out. And yeah, having Jinder win the title in India would have been nuts. I mean, I know that WWE probably doesn't want to do that because they can't control that audience all that much. They can't really control, you know, when it airs, they can't control all that sort of stuff. But I think that like, if you really want to say, Hey, this giant country, this country that we're looking at, we're trying to grow in this market. Here's a big moment that you guys can rally behind and a big thing that we presented to you. Yeah, it'd be make all the sense in the world, but they chose to do it here. So maybe he loses the title and then wins it back there. You know, it would would that be okay with you, or do you think it's it's bigger if it's that one? I think moment? it's bigger if it's that one time. But I'm sure if he wins it back there, I'm the, I mean that's fine too. But, but I, I guess kind of this entire time that we've been talking about, I guess we need to to, to address that. Is like is gender here to stay in the main event scene? Like this isn't a fluke anymore, right? Like, I think he's always gonna be, you know, I don't, he won't always be in the title picture. But I think he'll be pretty close to it. I mean, unless I, can he completely bomb? Does it, you know, on house shows? Does it matter who the the world champ is really all that much? If you find out Ginger Mahal's headlining, does that affect your decision to go, or do you just want to go see live wrestling? Is it gonna affect network subscriptions? Well, probably not. As we talked about ratings well <laughs> ratings are at least for the, at least in, interest was curious right now if ratings fall in the toilet then then maybe but how much is that is really dependent on gender so yeah like we said it kind of doesn't matter who the champ of smackdown is so if there are benefits to this then 
they can go for it as long as they as long as they choose to. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. The, the, the path of 3MB, I mean, following that is amazing. <laughs> like, that those dudes through I don't know how have all like because if if I had told you when when you know McIntyre and Mahal were, were released and and you know Slater stayed I was gonna say yeah you know in in three years you know Drew McIntyre is gonna be one of the hottest you know free agents in wrestling and he's gonna you know re-debut to, to just you know having a great run in the indies and just kill it and Jinder Mahal is gonna be the world champion like what <laughs> like those guys were dead yeah dead I right mean... The, I mean, a year ago, Jinder was wrestling, like, outdoor shows in front of, like, 20 people. Remember when we thought it was amazing Heath Slater held the tag titles with Rhino? We thought, like, right, oh, right, my God, one like, of the guys resurgence. Be, so, yeah. Right, exactly. Like, unbelievable. Man. Just, just nuts. Yep. But uh, that's that's going to be Backlash. Uh, a little bit of news coming out of here. Of course, I mentioned uh, SmackDown. Uh, they popped a pretty decent rating. Their viewership was up 7% over the last week. Uh, the show averaged 23 uh, 328 million, so 2.328 million viewers, uh, despite a really big uh, NBA game as well. So it was uh, pretty uh, pretty good on them because uh, Raw, if you watch the ratings for Raw, Raw did not do very well against the uh, big NBA game. And in fact, Raw did terrible. <laughs> and uh, Raw continues to lose uh, the very coveted 18 to 35 demo, and that's, uh, that's not good. So um, as far as you mentioned a little bit about the Money in the Bank coming up, we have uh, the list of the guys that are going to be in the Money in the Bank. Uh, it was announced on SmackDown yesterday. Uh, you're going to have AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, and Shinsuke Nakamura all competing for the briefcase. Uh, and, of course, for a shot at Jinder Mahal's title. Um, thoughts on that match? You, you're you saying Baron Corbin? Yeah. I, here? Is that, I, that your, your, your guess? Yeah, given – as weird as it sounds, given how much he's lost lately. Uh, that's, <laughs> but that's usually what predicts it, yeah. like, as weird as that is. Apparently, yeah. if they have high hopes for him, he seems like the guy – they would put it on, you know, it's too soon for Nakamura. I don't think AJ doesn't, AJ's been there. It'd be a little odd if he, he won that. Zane, I, I don't see them at that level. Say, Dolph, they don't those big Zanes anything. Sailed. Owens, like, I could see with it, but he's, you know, he's the U.S. champ right now and in a feud with AJ. Does he really need that? So Yeah, I kind of like Owens in a secondary feud right now. I think kind of keep him away from the title picture for now, particularly if it's going to be occupied by Jinder Mahal. Right. But uh, the idea of Baron Corbin holding a briefcase to go after Jinder Mahal <laughs> has me a little worried and basically makes me want to dig a hole and bury myself in it and not come out until that's over because uh, that sounds horrid. <laughs> but, you know... Uh, it is what it is. So that's uh, that's WWE. All right. uh, just uh, on uh, Money in the Bank, there was a rumor of a, um, uh, a women's ladder match for a Money in the Bank briefcase, which was not announced at all or really hinted at on television. Do you yay or nay this idea? Uh, I'd be fine with it. I think there's enough people uh, on that roster, enough people in that in that division where I think you could have a pretty fun match there. I mean, as far as how good it would be. That's an issue, too, because, I mean, you talk about a few of those. Like, I have no doubt that, like, Becky could could probably work in it pretty well, but I don't know about, like, Charlotte, I guess she could, too. But, like, Charlotte has a little, a little bit of an awkwardness of her, too. I would really kind of worry about what type of things that she wants to do. And then, yeah, the rest of the women on the roster. I mean, Naomi is fine as well. But, yeah, just, uh, I don't I don't know that they'd be very good in a women's ladder match. You're questioning Tamina's uh, ladder match? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Carmella. I mean, do we really need Carmella and Natalia in a ladder match? Because it would be the SmackDown side, right? Because yes. that's SmackDown. That's a SmackDown pay per view. Yes. Okay, maybe that's why the, uh, the belts were so low at uh, Takeover. Maybe that was <laughs> getting them ready for the setting. They just had it at the wrong one. Yeah, and that's not to say like I don't think they could 
But I just think the standards of like what a Money in the Bank and what a ladder match are, I don't know that Natalia, Carmella, Tamina, and you know could really do that. Like I have no doubt if it was like they should just have it be Charlotte, Naomi, and Becky in like a ladder match, and that probably would be much more entertaining than yeah. Because the idea of Carmella trying to do anything <laughs> around near a ladder just doesn't. And Natalia too. Like Natalia's just a big giant klutz, even though she's been there for you know 15 years or whatever the hell it's been or what seems like 15. Like just like it's still like like awkward like it's still kind of her first you know year in wrestling like she's fine but it's just like there's always just a weirdness about the way she moves in the ring and yeah i, I don't know that she'd be the most limber in terms of like getting to the top of the ladder and then be like thrown off of it or you know I, like just the optics of it just seem really weird i i, I yeah i'm really not in favor of that at all so they're also doing like what, what's uh, so there's some kendo stick thing going on too right oh, that's the bailey and uh, alexa bliss on raw yeah that uh, seems just like weirdly brutal i'm, I'm into it i like it that they're kind of like ah screw it like if the men can do it the women can do it but it just seems yeah it seems kind of interesting to... well women can end up as uh crippled and injured as men so that, exactly so i like it. equality there oh that's uh that's interesting there so that's uh somebody anything else uh WWE land oh i think that's plenty all right, let's uh, check in with the best of the Super Juniors here for our last segment on the show. Um, as of today, which we're recording this on the 24th, uh, the Wednesday the 24th of, of May, so there's a show going on, I know, tomorrow morning, so a lot of these scores will be a little bit out of date, but we're kind of talking about what's going on right now. And uh, I kind of want to get your idea on you know, what you think some stories have developed here, who maybe is emerging as a favorite in either of the blocks. But let, let's review the scores right now as as they stand on the 24th. We have in block A, we have Dragon Lee with six points. Marty Scroll tied with him with six points. And Will Ospreay also tied for first uh, at six points. Ricochet has four. Taichi has four. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi has four. Uh, Takamichi Noku has two. And Jushin Thunder Liger has zero. So I want to first talk about that A block, and then we'll go to the B block. Uh, I think one of the big stories there is Jushin Thunder Liger and his zero. Are you surprised that they are doing the what appears to be the Liger goes over or maybe he wins on his last night type thing? Or would you have done – because when, when we first previewed it, I was all in favor of, of Liger getting like – being in the mix to the last day and then losing on that last day and that being a huge moment or whatever. They seem to have the idea of doing the Tenzan route where he just – loses a lot and people you know they'll bow and they respect him when they beat him but that he's just a step slower than these guys even though in ring he's been great i thought yeah i mean tenzon at least i think won his first two matches before he uh he went on the, the the big losing streak i i didn't think he would win his block it's just too competitive there are too many big names in there for him to really go over i wouldn't mind it seeing it uh, i think i would have enjoyed kind of that one last run i really don't know what you get out of having him just lose his i mean he's already out of contention he's uh He's 0-4. He can't finish with a winning record. I don't. If he wins his last three, I don't really know what you get out of it. Like, who thinks that's like a, a comforting story? Maybe it's nice if he wins the last day and uh, keeps someone from that. I can see them doing. Yeah, win the last day, do that. But yeah, yeah but otherwise... still, like, I, I don't know. Given the the stature of his legend and, and everything he's done in his history and the Super Juniors, I don't really don't really follow what they're doing here. Yeah, I would have done a lot more with him than than, than they have, and I, I think having him, you know, beat Ataka Michinoku who would have been fine. Like, I don't think you know that really mattered. And having him maybe beat, uh, you know, Marty Scroll would have been okay with me as well. You know, what I mean, like maybe you, you can't have him beat Osprey because Osprey is the guy you want to win or whatever, and maybe you you can't have him beat Takahashi or whatever. But I don't know that anybody suffers really by losing to to Liger because it it like you know he's the man like. This is his tournament. This is the tournament he's dominated. It's it's the tournament that basically was created for him. It's like, you know, his final hurrah, he announced that this is it. Like, 
I would have just done so much more. I really think that was a waste that they're just not doing anything. Cause that's, you know, one of the big storylines coming in was like, all right, what are they going to do with Liger? And it's like pretty quickly they should, they showed you we're not doing anything with him. And now he just lose, lose, lose. He just continues to lose. So it's a, a little perplexing of a story there. Not what I would have done. And it seems like not what a lot of people would have done. They would have at least uh, had him in the mix in some form or fashion. But as far as that first place there, so you got Dragon Lee, uh, Marty Scroll, and Will Ospreay, I mentioned in first place, tied with six. As far as tiebreakers go, um, Dragon Lee has a tiebreaker over Marty Scroll, so um, he's got an up on him, but the, uh, Dragon Lee and, and Will Ospreay have not fought each other yet. So once those guys fight, the, we'll figure out the tiebreaker in that sense. Uh, in your mind, Block A, if you know, I'm right now on the on the 24th of May or whatever, if you had to predict, who do you have coming out of Block A? Do you do you have uh, what a lot of people said is Osprey? Do you have a Dragon Lee, or do you have you know one of the guys from the bottom? Do you think Takahashi you know comes from the middle of the pack and and, and wins, or does uh, you know Marty Scrolls shock the world and, and do it, or you know is it Osprey? Is it Lee? Who do, who do you have? Uh, I'm thinking Takahashi, given how strongly I'm, I, I wasn't surprised he lost day one to Dragon Lee. He's just kind of his generational rival. He had like you like to have those kind of surprise upsets on, on day one or early in the tournament. I was a little surprised he also um I'm trying to think who else he lost to. I think it was Ricochet. He lost to Ricochet. Yeah, so he two losses. I could see I kinda of leaning towards him coming out. They I mean, he's been booked so strongly it would be, it would be a little odd to me if he you know, suffered so many losses he couldn't at least get out of his own block. Does Dragon Lee just seem like the, the, the kind of the red herring of this block? Because there's always that one guy that's like, oh my god, I can't, like, it was always the Shelton Benjamin G1 year, where it was like, oh my god, Shelton's in first place, it's like halfway through or whatever, and they would, like, lose out, and then it was like, oh yeah, of course, Shelton Benjamin was never going to, you know, win his block or be, or be in contention. Or do you see Dragon Lee going into the mix until the final few dates? Um, I think he'll be there for, in, in the final few days. I think they like him. He's had a very, very good tournament so far. But I, I don't see him advancing. He's just a guy on loan, I think they'll want to do something with one of their, mm-hmm. you know, something with uh, Takahashi. Someone, you, I mean, you're still building. He's had an amazing year, but you still want to, you know, he's still very, very new to the promotion. I think, you know, at least coming out of his block, if not outright winning is, would be more their style than Dragon Lee advancing. Uh, what are your Taichi thoughts? Cause this has been the year of, of people once again, realizing Taichi is, is Taichi. So uh, it's been, it's been fun to read the reviews, but uh, it, it's, like, I have stopped really caring that much because I kind of know the score with Taiichi, but it's, it's still fun to see people just really, really dislike the whole Taiichi experience. What, 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 are, you, what are you thinking about? Yeah, his, his match with Taka was kind of amazing in the fact that, like, it was, it was horrible, but also kind of amazing because they didn't touch it all for, like, ten minutes and then, then the match ended. You know, he's, you know, he's certainly probably one of the lesser guys here. I actually did like his match with... Uh, with uh, Takahashi, I would that's something I would check out, even though it was one of the uh, the tape delayed matches. But I, I thought they actually had some good chemistry and did some some fairly interesting things. In mm. Yeah, I think he's been fine. I mean, I, I don't think he's been as offensive as, as Taichi. I mean, I thought the J Cup run of Taichi was way more offensive. Yeah. I don't know if you uh, you, you followed the J Cup last year. I'm, I'm sure you did, yeah. but that was offensive. This that that was like, what the fuck are you doing? Get off my TV immediately. Uh, this has not quite been that. So um, all right, it's. It's been fine. It's you and all those. But uh, let's go to the B block now. We have uh, scores here, and then we'll kind of talk about the storylines coming out of it. Uh, you have El Desperado uh, t- atop the B block. Atop the B block. El Desperado with six points. Arisuke Taguchi at four. Tiger Mask at four. Yoshinobu Kanemoro also at four. So you got those guys in a, a dead heat for second place. Uh, and then you have the guys trailing at the end. Uh, ACH with two points. Valador Jr. with two points. Kushida with two points. And Bushi with the big zero for Bushi. What are your big storylines out of the B block so far? I think it's... Um... Uh, kind of a 
was it Kushida finally getting you know the win over Bushi, which was a very very good match, and kind of you know he he was on the uh, you know he lost his first two matches. He got pinned in a tag match on one of his non-tournament days. So, but it looks like he's getting uh, the blocks. I think you know this one's wide open. I'm not. I didn't sit down and do you know match by match predictions because I always do terrible at that. And uh, given how Liger has performed, this certainly would have been. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would have. We should have done a, a Super Junior result. Oh, God, we, we did this year because I didn't want to, but yeah, that would have been funny to see. Because I'm sure like half the field would have had Liger like, yeah. winning the block, no, winning the been. whole thing, or whatever. Just be a dumpster fighter right now of, of wrongness. That would have been disastrous. So yeah, so I uh, guessing Kushida gets out of uh, Block B. Yeah, that's been my prediction from the beginning, and I still think that yeah, we're we're, we're seeing now because and that's that's an old like Gato tournament trope as well, like the shocking thing where it's like, oh, you know, the favorite loses his first two. Oh, he's out or whatever. He's done. And then, like, he just goes on a run. And now I, th- I think Kushida then will just kind of sweep the rest of the blocks and, and do that. Because, I mean, I'm looking at his matches now. I think he would – so he doesn't have a tiebreaker over Tiger Mask, but you can just have Tiger Mask lose out, yeah. and that's fine. And then, yeah, who else would, it would be in his way? I mean, yeah, it'd be Kanemoro and Taguchi. Um, Taguchi he hasn't faced yet, and Kanemoro he hasn't faced yet either. So he'll beat both those guys. Tiger Mask will lose out. And that makes all the sense in the world. I think the big question, Desperado, does he lose out? Is he in the mix until the final night? Or is he one of those other weird ones that it's like, what the hell is Desperado doing on top of the, 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 the block at this point in the, in the tournament? No, this is, a, this is a Shelton Benjamin situation. He'll, he'll taper off soon enough, I'm sure. And he's actually performed very well in, the, in this tournament so far. I really liked his opening night match with Kushida. He's done some uh, good stuff the other nights. So he's been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, anything else out of the B block that's really caught your eye? I know uh, one of the thoughts that you know going into it was that the A block would just absolutely destroy the B block in terms of you know in ring or whatever. Uh, do you think the B block's acclimated itself pretty well? Because of of, I've, of the parts that I've seen, I mean, the B block's not as bad as I really thought it would be. I mean, I, A block is still you know way more stacked, and I think once the final nights come, I think the A block will you know rise over the pack. But I think the B block has, has certainly held their own. Yeah, no, B block's been fine. There's, I mean, they're talented guys in here, and no one's. I think ACH has done very well so far in his uh, tournament matches, I think. You know, guys like Kushida, even a guy like a Tiger Mask, who, you know, as long as he's not winning tournaments and holding belts, I have no problem with. I don't mind seeing him, even though I've seen him in, like, a hundred of these things. <laughs> yeah, when, when is he going to stop being? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. When, uh, I like Tiger Mask, but, like, it's time to announce, because he's been in more than Liger, I think, because I think Liger at least was hurt for, like, one or two of the years. I think Tiger Mask is in just, uh, or no, um, what is it? Maybe Liger's in the... I forgot. One of them is like... No, Liger's been in the most. But I think yeah. Tiger Mac is, is like maybe one or two behind him at most. And that was, you know... I think if you add... Because there was one that he had to bow out of before it even started. And I think if you count that one, he's like one away or something like that. So he's not far off on his own. He just does not have any legacy because it's Tiger Mask 4. And it's just like, yeah, okay. Just kind of always there. Um, Any surprises out of the B-Block? Could Bushi at a zero? Is, is that kind of a shock to you? Or is that kind of what Bushi's kind of become, or I mean, what Bushi really was before, and then he had a little bit of a burst, and now he's kind of back to where he was, maybe? Or are you surprised by him going over? No, nah, he'll probably end up with a couple wins to have a, a, I mean, you know, in a situation like this, someone has to lose to set up these storylines, and he drew the, the short straw, so I'm not, I'm not drastically surprised by that. Uh, any matches coming up in either block that you're really looking forward to uh, on the final few days or things that we don't really quite have yet? I mean, off the top of my head, ones that I look at, Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay is one that definitely sticks out for me. Will Ospreay and, and, and Hiromu um, is definitely one. Um, as far as, yeah, otherwise, uh, B block, I'm, I'm kind of interested in a lot of it. ACH Kushida is definitely one. I mean, I would not want to see that one. We haven't seen the ACH uh, Valador Jr. match yet, and that one I'm just sure is going to be an absolute, you know, crazy flip fest as well. 
Um, and then Taguchi has had a really good tournament as well, so I'm really kind of interested to see what he does with that because he's a guy that can sort of adapt to any style. So I always like seeing him in these tournaments because I think he always really does uh, does does deliver pretty big because he, he can really just work with just about anybody in the world and, and get something decent out of here. And he, he gives an extra effort during the best of the Super Juniors, and that's always you know appreciated on my end. Yeah, I mean, you can look at any day. Like, you know, on the 31st, there's Ricochet and Marty Skrull. That'll be really interesting. On the 28th, you know, Liger and Dragon Lee. I mean, pretty much any day you can find something interesting. It's it's a little tough on the tape delayed days because, you know, you, get, you just get the no commentary, single shot, camera work, you know, camera pulled back. So if they fight on the wrong side of the ring, you can't really see what's going <laughs> you can't on. Usually these weird looking buildings are completely, you know, fully lit. And, you know, you click on the file, you see the whole thing's like 16 minutes with entrances. So you're like, well, this is going about 13 minutes. So they, <laughs> they lose a little something there. But I, I'm. Yeah, I'm glad you're able to see everything. It's pretty easy to keep up, I feel, because, you know, on the live shows, the matches come up, start about 6.30 a.m. Eastern time, so that works fine by me. I get up, you know, I'm making a PB&J for my son for lunch, and, uh, well, I'm, you know, seeing some uh, hot junior action on my phone. Some hot Taichi. Yeah, 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 sure. And then, you know, yeah. the light, you know, and then tape delay days, you know, the total wrestling time, the matches go like 10, 11 minutes each. So yeah, that, that's one of one of the things I do love about the best of the super juniors is like because I'm right now I'm like two days behind, but like all I really need is like an hour to catch up, <laughs> which is not but like you know what I mean like you just throw it on there, the matches are quick, they're over in a little bit, and you just want I mean if you don't want to watch the undercard, you don't want to watch all that sort of stuff, you just watch the super juniors, you're in and out, and like yeah, the total shows are maybe you know half hour, forty five minutes, hour, and like yeah, if you really if you skip the entrances and kind of jump right to the matches, like you can really catch up you know from two or three nights in in what an hour, hour and a half, easy yeah. so. Which always makes it pretty fun. So uh, it's been interesting, but yeah, we'll obviously have coverage uh, as we get a little bit closer to the final nights and get a little bit more clarity of, of who's going to be in the finals and a little bit more of where the standings play out. But uh, I think for the most part, kind of playing out as as I thought. Other than the Liger thing, I mean, that's kind of the shock. Um, but in terms of Kushida being where he is, I think we both agree that that he's you know going to rise up, and I think he's going to come out of the block as well. And the A block is is still pretty open, but I still you know Will Osprey is, is definitely one that looks. Um, like a, a favorite to me, and and, and the Romo uh, one that you mentioned, I think there's always a good chance that Romo comes out of there, and they just do the big mega push, or that dude just dominates the division, and he's really, you know, now assumed the ace role of the junior. So I think you can easily do that. So it's cool that there's at least a few people still in the mix of the A block, but yeah, the B block just seems like a lot of guys just sitting there waiting for Kushida just to pass them up. So uh, we'll see how that ends up going. Uh, Joe, any else, anything else in the world of wrestling you want to talk about before we uh, depart here? Uh, just uh, this really got lost in the shuffle, but uh, all Japan ran a big uh, show on May 21st. Drew uh, 1,315 fans to uh, Kirk and Hall. Shu- uh, Shuji Shikawa beats Kento Miyahara, ends his very long Triple Crown reign, the fifth longest in the yeah. title's history. Only fell a couple days short of being number four. And uh, yeah, beat him in 20 minutes the giant slam so uh Shuji Shikawa wins the champion in carnival and ends Miyahara's uh, long run did you uh you sad to see that run end do you think it was think it was the right time do you think it had more steam yeah I'm sad to see it end because I thought it was a really cool run and I thought there was a nice you know build of of him being like because I I was a, a big proponent of that too I know uh when Joe and I were talking about it and previewing you know back god six months ago or whatever he was you know figuring out, you know, okay, well, Mayahara can lose here and he can chase or whatever. And I was always like, no, 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 no. I want him just to hold this title and it to be definitively 
this is the guy. He's the all Japan ace. He's the guy that's running this company. He's the guy that's you know running the show here. Like this guy just dominates. Like let's let him dominate. And they, they to their credit, they have, and he's had an incredible reign and has really helped build the business. And people have kind of gotten behind him. And there's been stability in all Japan, and it's it's been nice. And now you have a, what I would consume a, a, a pretty big upset. I mean, Tsuji Shikawa is a, a great wrestler, one of the best in the world, and like you know a guy that can obviously hold his own and, and a guy that fans are, are invested in. But still, I I come away with it as a little bit of an upset. Maybe I. You know, I, I could possibly say I wasn't as you know invested in all Japan's story that maybe I think it's more of a surprise than it is, and maybe people that are invested in the stories are saying no, no, no. You could kind of see it was coming, but I don't know. I kind of took it as a surprise, and seeing the reactions from people that follow all Japan, you know, more extensively than even I do, it seemed like it caught a lot of people by surprise. It just kind of came, you know, from you know, obviously Shuji Ishikawa wins the you know the Champions Carnival, so it makes sense that he would win. But I still sense that a lot of people were, were a little taken aback that it was like, oh, okay, that that's it for Kento, huh? Uh, and that's not to say he's done forever and that he's not going to you know, win the title back. But still, I, I could sense that a lot of people were a little shocked by it. But, you know, it was, you know, as you said, almost the fourth longest reign in the history of the, the entire title. So maybe it was was time to do it. What, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I don't know. I just felt he had more steam. It just seemed they had a great thing going. Yeah. And it just didn't seem time to me yet. But, I mean, I people who follow all Japan more closely than I may may disagree. But it just seemed like, you know, just, just keep going. Just beat Ishikawa. Find other guys for him to beat. Just, you know keep going until, I don't know, maybe the next time they run Sumo Hall. I don't know if you have a suitable replacement. I don't know, but uh, yeah, this is kind of a kind of a surprise. Also, that entire show, 67 minutes of wrestling over seven matches, so they breeze through. a. Uh, <laughs> that will be a very quick show to watch when that uh, pops up. Yeah, I'm interested, now. I'm interested in that one. That's, that's, that's not hard to do at all, but yeah, what uh, do you make anything of the fact that uh, one William Regal was in attendance? <laughs> He's saying we're going to see Miyahara do uh, drills and uh, hip tucks. I don't know, like... In NXT? I don't know. Like, I don't think so, but isn't it kind of weird? <laughs> Is it a, a little weird? Um, I, I don't know. I, I I can't picture him. People would go nuts. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if, like, Kevin Hart is like, yeah, I'm out. Yep, bye. See ya. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't think he would do it. I think he's smarter than that, but I don't know. It was just, like, it, it really was kind of shocking. So Call up Kent to see how he's doing. <laughs> yeah, hey, buddy. Like, yeah, it's. Zeus in the bodyguard, I could see. I'm surprised they're not there. <laughs> yeah, don't show Vince the other Oh, my God. I didn't know they made him like that. <laughs> right, we have the Bollywood boys. Get those guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Some turbans on these guys. Get them out there. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I know Vince, I'm sure, like, he's, he's probably like, oh, they're not big enough. They don't have this. Oh, my God. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he would fucking love the bodyguard. That'd be incredible. But Zeus uh, would have to be like Odin or something because, uh, <laughs> there he was one, so you can't double dip on Zeus. No. Who, uh, especially the icon, like the original Zeus, old Tony Lister. All right, uh, anything else? Uh, I don't know if you want to touch on Evolve '84. You were there. Yeah, I was at Evolve '84. Yeah, not a whole lot to kind of come. I haven't seen Evolve '85 uh, yet, so I can't really comment on that. You have not seen uh, Evolve '84 uh, or '85, correct? Yeah. <laughs> that weekend, I watched. The... Takeover, Backlash, two Super Juniors in the UK special, and Eddie Edwards, um, Go Shizaki for some reason. So I okay. So I you saw enough wrestling. wrestling. I saw. Sorry, I didn't have time for Evolve. Yeah, Evolve '84, pretty good show. As I mentioned, it happened uh, two thirty, uh, right around uh, in Summit, Illinois. Of- beautiful arena that a lot of people on Twitter, like actually when you were there, it's like a very new facility, but it's, it's a high school gym or not, not a high school gym, like a, a park district gym. So it, it has, 
you know, certain things that are a little, you know, odd about it. Like the walls were painted like poop brown, which didn't help the optics very much. And that was like the hard cam was just like a big brown wall or whatever. And then you have, you know, visible hoops or whatever. It did not like, I, I swear when you're actually there, it was actually a pretty nice facility. But then I was looking at some of the gifts and I was looking at some of the video and I was like, yeah, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't video as well as it looked like in person. And it did look a little shoddy, you know, on the video. So I saw of all people, Alan, Alan Cunahan was pissed. When you get Alan pissed, like that's yeah. a rarity when Alan's mad about something, but he was livid about the way this arena looked. Noted building and, snob uh, Alan. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, he, he was all, he was on fight. He was shooting this weekend. I think his, that health scare that he's on, he's kind of all riled up. He was, he was going nuts. But no, uh, uh, yeah, I, looking at the gifts and looking at the video, it, the optics did look a little bad. It, it wasn't the greatest looking arena. But uh, as far as the show, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable show. Uh, matches that really stood out, you had Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak. They, you know, they wrestled over WrestleMania weekend. They're wrestling uh, next week uh, in AEW around me as well. Uh, this was a very ambitious match because these two just did an insane amount of stuff. The problem, though, is it was kind of sloppy at points because, like, it's these two mammoth dudes trying to do, like, springboard hurricane ranas and stuff. And it's like, I appreciate their efforts, but a lot of times it was like, guys, just, just don't. It, good idea, but it's probably not going to work when, like, you're trying to do that to Keith Lee, and he's like, you know, this giant, massive man. It's, you know, Donovan Dijak, to his credit, too, you know, he tried to be super ambitious here, too. But it's like, dude, you're like six, you know, four, six, five. Like, maybe the, you know, the the Spanish fly isn't going to work, you know, quite as well as you think it's going to work. But it was just like the weirdest, most ambitious match I've ever seen in the opener of like a random Evolve show in an afternoon. Like, it was just, it was crazy the amount of stuff that those guys try to do. But uh, when it was all said and done, it was, it, it was a pretty solid match. But yeah, once you get over the, the sloppiness, you have Freddie A. versus Jason Kincaid. Solid match, nothing too specific. Spectacular. Uh, Kim Kate's coming back from an injury, so you could tell he was kind of uh, working his way slowly. Uh, Leo Rush versus Austin Theory. I thought Austin Theory really impressed me here, and he's you know, a super young wrestler that's doing some good stuff. Leo Rush, uh, if you guys have seen him, he's just an incredible uh, worker as well. Great at selling, too, because the guy, he's so low to the ground. He's so small. I mean, legitimately one of the smallest wrestlers I've ever seen. Like, you know, in the non-midget division, like the non-junior, you know, minis division or whatever. I mean, he's like 5'2", five, 5'3", five, or whatever. Uh, bumps like crazy, so a lot of... Um, you know, Austin Theory, who, who's not really big on his own right, seemed like the bigger man in this match, but I thought both of them did a pretty solid job. Uh, Tracy Williams, Jeff Cobb was, was fine. I don't think it was spectacular, but uh, okay. Um, yeah, they evolved uh, tag titles. Uh, Jocka and Chris Dickinson defeating Matt Nix and Isaiah Velasquez. And Isaiah Velasquez and Nick, Nick, uh, Matt Nix are from the freelance wrestling promotion in Chicago. So it was a cool little thing where you had Stokely Hathaway before the... the the match, you know, making fun of Chicago pizza, which I'm all on board because Chicago pizza fucking sucks. So that's that's fine there. Uh, we said he should make fun of hot dogs. So we are very we'll defend hot dogs and Italian beef to our dying days. But yeah, pizza will let go uh, some of the times. But no, he, he got like incredible heel heat. He got a fuck New York chant because Jocka and Chris Dickinson are obviously New York area guys too. So Stokely is just the best. He was so good at you know generating heat there. Uh, then he had Nixon and Velasquez who were you know representing Chicago. They ended up losing, but a, a pretty solid match. Uh, you know, pretty good back and forth. You know, Nixon and Velasquez eventually, you know, they didn't really stand a chance, but still was kind of fun to, to rally behind them for a little bit. Uh, you had what was a little bit of a shock is Sabre uh, defeating Ethan Page. Not the shock that Sabre won, but how definitively Sabre did beat Ethan Page because they had built up Ethan Page as this really, you know, viable contender for so many months. And then Sabre just kind of beat him, and it wasn't like a ton of back and forth. It wasn't like Page had him on the ropes. It was just like Sabre could kind of control the match and... and um, and defeated him in the end, so that was kind of interesting there. And then the main events, uh, my match of the night for sure, and, and when you see it on paper, it's like, yeah, I thought that would be the match of the night. Uh, Matt Riddle defeating Kyle O'Reilly to retain the WWE uh, Championship. I mean, exactly what you would assume a Matt Riddle-Kyle O'Reilly match would be. You know, kicks, forearms, you know, holds, ground game, slaps, strikes, like just just really good stuff. And, and Riddle won with a jumping tombstone and then locked in the bro mission 
uh, to defeat Kyle O'Reilly. So thought really cool match there. I mean, obviously you see that on paper. I mean, that, that's one to definitely go out of your way and see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a good all-around show. And I heard a fall of all 85 was even better. So I'm checking that out uh, eventually as well to see kind of what happened there. But yeah, good, uh, good, um, you know, debut for Evolve in Chicago, and they announced they are coming back in September. So I already got my tickets for that, so I'll definitely be back for that because uh, they've they've won me over, and I will be willing to buy uh, tickets to another Gabe show because because Gabe usually doesn't uh, let me down, and, and Evolve hasn't really let me down later either. So or lately either. So uh, yeah, pretty decent show, but yeah, nothing. I, I wouldn't say if, you, if you're pressed for time, definitely watch Riddle, Kyle O'Reilly. I think definitely watch the Saber page because I think there's there's some important story dynamics there. And if you you know if you don't have time for anything else, that's probably okay to just watch those two. I would. I would check out the Keith Lee uh, Dijak match too, just to see the insanity that those two men try to do in the ring uh, as the opener of an Evolve show in the afternoon. So that's always there. But yeah, uh, Evolve before pretty decent show all around and, and a good debut for Evolve in, in in the Chicago area. So and I will be at the uh, the next show in Melrose featuring. Uh, you got a hell of a card there, by the way, sir. You looking you that, that is uh, not uh, not for nothing, Cole. But uh, we have a Ring of Honor pay per view in Lowell, Mass, on the twenty third, and the day after there is a Beyond and an Evolve show. Uh, the evolution the wrestling world i know wrestling <laughs> running head-to-head with uh ring of honor tv tapings so i think i'll i'll safely go with evolve on that one <laughs> right yeah. yeah you're getting riddle uh saber as, as your big match and that's i mean man yeah that's that's pretty good considering we're the saturday show on uh you know the the first show of a double shot uh of, of a gate booked uh you know doesn't have the best track record for, uh, <laughs> no the the heaviest portion believe me i've seen it a, a million times in ring of honor you know, yeah, you know, you know. The they're running, they're running what, in the, the next day. And, oh, okay. I was gonna say because it's always like whatever the next town is, which always kind of like, bad for like Dayton because like Dayton would always get like the Friday and then Chicago would get the Saturday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 